know. Right. All right, and welcome to another episode of the Thick and Thin Podcast. As always, it's me, Anthony Cardoza. Today, guys, is a very special episode. We got a goddamn American hero with us. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know about that, <laughs> he's a good. He's a good buddy of mine. He's a great guy overall, and he's got a really interesting story, so he's willing to talk to us about it. Very excited for this. Please welcome Genesis. Woo! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's good to see you, man. Good to hear you. I know, for reals. I mean, uh, it's, Boys. Yeah, quarantine's been a little bit rough, so whenever you get a chance to hang out with somebody, it's like, fuck yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, for me, I'd say it's just been... It really makes you... It kind of forces you to really be grateful for the little things, man. Oh, I, couldn't, I, I really thought... Uh, before this quarantine, I was like, I'm not going to fight anymore. And being pulled away from the gym and not being able to train and have that sort of outlet for myself, I started fucking losing it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people have, yeah. you know, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's great. Like you do, you do see people that um, have gotten closer, you mm-hmm. know, with their families and stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, on the other end of the spectrum, you yeah, it's, 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 it's dark. Yeah. It's, it's bad. Mm hmm. You know, um, so I just wanted to start off with uh, a couple things. Um, so, you know, eight years ago today, I told you this morning, mm-hmm. um, one of the Marines that I served with that I leave flowers for on Memorial Day, you saw he was killed in action in uh, Sangin, Afghanistan, where I deployed uh, August 1st, 2012. Um, you know, I just want to give a shout out and, you know, in, in memorial for that. What's his name? Uh, Curtis J. Duarte, Corporal um, of Covina, California. He has his memorial at Covina High. Uh, also, uh, so, you know, I guess, you know, this is my first time, obviously. So, again, thank you for Be having gentle. me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm a little, you know, I'm a little shy. But, uh, and I, I hate using memes as, like, any kind of philosophy because it just, to me, it's just. But I, I saw one that I liked. And, you know, I don't really know what to expect out of this. So uh, I just wanted to start off. I saw this quote and I really liked it. So it says, if I tell you about my past, it's never because I want you to feel sorry for me. But so you can understand why I am who I am or why I am the way that I am. Uh, I think growing up for me, it's it. I always felt misunderstood, you know, uh, so ironically i was born on the fourth of july oh no <laughs> shit uh, yeah, all american born, baby <laughs> yeah i was born on the fourth of july uh almost seems faded right mm-hmm. um so my parents are i was also a mixed kid in my family um born in la uh my mom's salvadorian my dad is a chinese uh he's of chinese descent but he was born in vietnam during the war became a vietnam war refugee so i'm first generation on his family on his family side of American and um, you know, it, it's crazy how current events and like experiences and you get older and you see things a little differently, you know, with the, with the black lives matter protests and like racism for me, I, as a kid, I couldn't fathom certain things. You know, like I, my parents were young. So my mom had me when she was 17 and my dad was like 23. Um, and for, for a short period of time, they were on their own mm-hmm. simply because my, my, my dad's mom, my grandmother didn't, didn't accept my mom. Mm-hmm. And my mom was actually an American citizen. She was born here. Uh, my mom has no siblings. Uh, her dad dipped when, uh, 
when she was born. So it's just been her and my grandma. And they used to say things like, oh, she's only with you for the green card, but my mom was born here. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, unfortunately, you know, just like the military and certain things, it rolls downhill. Mm -hmm. So it kind of rolled on to me. Um, And as a kid, like, I never really, like, thought of it as a big deal, I guess. But it was, like, until I got older, and then you kind of see things a little differently. Like, for example, one of my birthdays, uh, my aunt bought me an ice cream scooper for my birthday. She brought an ice cream scooper for my birthday as a gift. It was used. (laughs) You know? (laughs) My mom was, like, my mom flipped. She got really pissed off. And I was just, like, uh... I like ice cream. <laughs> you know what I mean? I get it. I like ice cream. There was there. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, having young parents and they're just struggling. Um, I remember my parents telling me that, you know, for, for a while we lived in a car. And then we moved to Moreno Valley. And my parents would commute down That's to rough. L.A. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I was too little to, to know. I, I remember Moreno Valley, but I don't remember, you know, right. the car. But, you know, so having young parents and then they would just leave you with my grandma. So that's why I can speak Spanish, read and write it. And in a way she was the one that raised me. Um, so I felt more close to that, you know, as even though it was a lot smaller, like my dad is one of 11 siblings. Oh wow. So it's a huge family. Um, and then I, because I moved school so much, I didn't have a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. And my parents were always gone. So it was just kind of like, I didn't, I always felt alone, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know, like as a kid, I was like, how do I, you know? And then, um, I blew up, I got really big. Mm -hmm. So I kind of grew up as a big kid. Oh, that's right. You were heavy. I was heavy. (laughs) Yeah, dude, I was heavy. And then I finally, we finally, you know, fast forward a bunch of years and then, uh, get to, get to West Covina. In high school, I was I was huge, man. I was huge, and I wouldn't say I was the most unpopular kid. Like I was just a blip on the radar. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't a big like blip on the radar. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure, yeah, exactly. Um, but man, like, there's a lot of things that I'm just like, I, I look back on it, and I'm like, wow, dude, that's that's rough, man. Like, that's why I I don't like bullies. You know, like in any in any form or capacity, I just don't. Um, like for me, let's see. I had a I had a crush on this girl in high school and I remember one of the worst things that, that like it just to this day like after everything I've been through like to this day it's still like that still just boggles my mind <laughs> like I was just and it was funny because I'd never been to a dance and I was just like dude like my senior year is coming up I'm like or it's junior year but I was like man I'm just gonna go for it I'm gonna ask and I asked, and she was just like, "Are you kidding me? Like oh, you're you're fucking you're, you're fucking ugly. Get away from me!" And dude, I was just like, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> you right, know what I mean? Right. Like I was, oh man, like I was just. I, I think I was just that really fucked me up. But I didn't know. Again, I didn't know how bad it fucked me up until like later on down the road. I wouldn't know. And even in high school, like I had friends. But none of us were like the cool crowd, you mm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we didn't, we weren't in, you know. And like I, 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 I guess there were many times I tried to fit in, and it was just it felt more like, you know, those those, uh, what do you call them? 
those uh, blocks that mm-hmm. the kids play. Like, they'll put the square in the square and the yeah. circle. It felt like putting the square in the circle. Like, I just couldn't. You're just trying. And it's yeah, just trying. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, I even played the jolly role, like, jolly fat kid. And, like, yeah, I could take a joke, but it's just like, man. I'm dying inside. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. Like, fucking dying inside. And then um, I realized, I was like, dude, I'm a stress eater. Mm-hmm. I'm a straight up stress eater. I get stressed out. I start eating even now. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, stress eat. So, you know, with all of that, I graduated high school and then I was going to Mount Sac, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, on top of that, my parents were really strict. I think I met, I went to like three parties the whole time and I snuck out for two of them. And my curfew was 10, which <laughs> is like when all the fun starts. You're right. just like, dude. And then, like, I graduated high school, and they're like, oh, we're going to move your curfew up to midnight. I'm like, great, but I'm 18. I'm like, <laughs> what the hell? So, all that. And then, you know, I, I went to Mount Sac, and it was just, it, it's down the street from my high school, South Hills. So, it just kind of didn't, it kind of, it wasn't really different, you know. And I, I wasn't engaged. I wasn't, I didn't really, I just, I was just, I lost faith in myself, and I was like, you know what? I, I've always wanted to join the military. Uh, for me, the movies that got... I always wanted to fly. But my eyes were really, like, jacked up. To be a pilot? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Top Gun. Yeah, of course. You know, <laughs> everyone... Yeah, Top Gun. Yeah. Um, and then Independence Day. Mm-hmm. That was the whole, like... I was like, oh, you know. So, I went to every branch. Except the Marines. I went to the Army first. And they're like, look, man. You're too heavy to join. So at the time, what did you weigh when you were going through? A- uh, so when I was trying to get there, I was at 282. Fuck. Okay. Yeah, I was at 282 pounds. And, uh, dude, I would get gassed, man, like walking everywhere. Yeah. I even walked one of my classmates to, like, her car, you know, just fucking being me. And then I'm, like, sweating, and I'm trying not to, like, you know, I'm trying not to. <gasps> yeah. yeah. I'm sw- and she's like, are you all right? And I'm like, I'm fine. Cramp. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and then Mount Sac has hills, so I'm, like, fucking dying, and then I'm just, like, so embarrassed, and I was, like, damn. So, I I went to the Army, and they're, like, you're too heavy. I went to the Navy, they're, like, you're too heavy. I went to the Air Force, you're too heavy, and I, at the time, I worked across the street from Mount Sac. There's a gas station there. Mm -hmm. My recruiting station's also over there. So, uh, I was, like, dude, I'm not even going to go see the Marines. I'm, like, they're, like, the best. Like, why would they want to have anything to do with me? Mm -hmm. So, I kind of was, like in a slump man i was like well what am i gonna do you know i'm like yeah, I'm too that's, heavy. that's really hard to hear that too for something you want to do and someone telling you like no you're too yeah. yeah and then and then on top of that you know it's like that's like you know you, you hear it in high school well i'm just gonna join the army i'm just gonna join the army right you know like as if it's just that easy mm-hmm. you know it's like the it's the easiest uh backup plan quote you know right. per se so you know I was, that was hard to hear and then on top of that uh my dad i was just like hey you know and I thought I thought he would be more understanding because at one point in his life he wanted to join the Navy and become an aircraft mechanic, mm-hmm. but my grandmother stopped him. She said, "No, it's too dangerous," so he didn't do it. So I, you know, again, um, I don't really get along with my dad, but I would always go to him for advice. And I went to him and I was like, "Hey, you know, I want to join the military," and he just laughed and he was like, "What makes you think that you're going to be a pilot?" He was like, you know, what makes you think? He's like, it's like going to a Lambo dealer. You think they're going to let you test drive a Lambo? <laughs> He's just like, give up on that. Mm. So that was like double hard to hear. And I was I was with my coworker 
at the time. He's, he he also joined the Marine Corps. Uh, his name is Juan. He he's he's kind of like Brandel. Came came from El Salvador as mm-hmm. a young kid. Didn't really speak good English. And he was like, "Hey man, have you thought about joining the Marines?" I was like, "Forget it, man. They don't want me." And he's like, "Dude, my recruiter's in that office, like over there." And I was like, nah, man, they don't want me. And he's like, dude, I failed to ASVAB like twice. Well, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like the the practice test was not hard for me. Like I, I've, I'm, you know, I don't. For those of you guys a, that don't know too, the ASVAB is just a standardized, uh, like a mental proficiency test to see where you are as far as your education goes. So. Right. You know, so, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't hard. Like for yeah. me, it wasn't hard. I mean, I, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm the smartest guy, but mm-hmm. it wasn't hard. Um, and finally the, my recruiter, well, his recruiter became my recruiter came in and he was just like, so, uh, I hear you want to join the Marines. You're interested in joining the military. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I'm going to tell you something. You're too heavy to join right now. But he's like, if you really want to do this, you come see me after work and we'll work something out. And I was like, all right, here we go. So. It was in the same plaza, so after I got off of work at like five, walked in there, and he was like, "All right, so he's like, we're not gonna talk about joining. We're not gonna talk about jobs right now." He's like, "You know, you're too heavy." He's like, "Let's get your height and weight, and let's see what you gotta get to." So he took my height, took my weight, and he was like, "Let's work out a plan. How much weight do you want to lose until you get to your goal?" And I was like, "Man, well, he's like, because you need to lose sixty pounds." to even join to sign the contract so i was like he's like and we're gonna do weigh-ins every two weeks he's like i'm gonna run with you the first few times and he's like and then after that i expect you to go on your own he's like you check in with me and then go on your own and i was like all right um how does six sound and he's like okay he's like it's up to you Mm -hmm. six he's like we got a scale here oh no you're good okay cool my bad no no my bad um so you know that was the that was the beginning, and at first, I would just go in there and shoot the shit, and I was like, "Oh man, these guys are awesome!" You know, they they'd like all shoot the shit and everything. And finally, I just like, one day my recruiter's like, "Do you really want to do this?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Well, you haven't been showing me." You know, he was just like, you know, you just come in here and you bullshit, and like he was just, you know, he was just like, bullshit, and then you go and run afterwards, and I was like, "Fuck." And that was that for me was the first lesson actually in accountability. See, as a kid, I realize now as a kid, um, there's like a few things. Uh, I, as a kid, I wasn't really ever. I didn't. I never felt like I was ever allowed to to be be myself. I guess be proud of myself. You know, be. Uh, I was always compared as a kid. You know, because I was fat. I'm half brown. All my cousins, you know, they're f- full Chinese. Um, I got compared to my friends. You know, why don't you be more like that guy, you know? And I was just always like, well, you f- you know, hey, you failed this test. You failed this test. You failed this test. You, you, you know? And it was always the failures that were emphasized. But there was never any, any like, really, like, hey, you know, I'm going to sit you down. I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to tell you what you need to do and hold you accountable. Like for me, it was always just like, you know, this is why you suck. This is this why. This is suck. why, right? Yeah, this mm-hmm. is why. But it was never like any like mm-hmm. positive reinforcement. There we go. That's the word right. I was looking for. There's never any positive reinforcement in my life. 
so that was the first time that and i was 19 at the time and i was like whoa i mean don't get me wrong it fucking hurt because right. i was just like dude i don't even know this guy and he's a marine and he's like you know and he's like i already showed you the way i ran with you he's like look we have your goals written down here he's like it's you know this is all on you you know and he's just like because if you're not going to do it he's like you can come in and kick it but don't waste my time right you know he's like i already showed you how to do everything he's like now you just i can't do the rest for you he's like i can't hold your hand i'm not going to go with you anymore and he's like you know like i said from the get-go we're gonna check in and we're gonna check your weight every two weeks and after that i i went home yeah he gonna cry in the car i cried in the car <laughs> was, they said that? Oh no no no! It was just like it was it, that right. Friday reference, you know? Like, I, oh, he's gonna cry. Just yeah, dude. Oh. I, I I went in my old like hoopty freaking like Nissan Altima that had like a dented in truck, uh, dented in trunk, because freaking someone crashed into me, and I was just like, fuck, dude. I was like, man, well, like, you know, and and all that negativity just came in, man. And I was like, dude, I'm a loser, you know, like, I'm such a loser, and you know, I'm fat, like, I'm like everything. You know, but I was just like, I don't know. It was weird. Like something just kind of switched on for That's me. The fire you needed lit under your ass. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, man. And after that, dude, the a year later, um, the weight came off. The weight came off. I never missed weight. What were you doing? Just running every day, dieting a little so bit. So I'll, I'll tell you the funny story. I did it wrong. I did it completely wrong. Mm. So I had this friend in high school. Uh, he was a second nation and wrestler for his weight class. I think he was like one hundred five. Um, and a week before he went to jail for a year, he was like, Hey man, I was like, dude, how do I lose weight? And he was like, Oh bro, you throw a trash bag on, you throw uh, three shirts on cut some water. <laughs> and then he's like, and then you throw a sweater on and then he's like, then you just go for a run, run like three miles. He's like, just run three miles. And then he's like, and then you eat once a day. And I was like, all right, cool. He's a hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't ask him, but here's the thing. I didn't ask him how long i needed to do that right and then he went to jail the next week for a year so i didn't see him for a year so i'm just like all right and then um that was the thing like my recruiter wasn't really a fitness dude either yeah this is sort of predating uh not internet but that where it was so available where you see fitness trainers like online where you could just click on youtube and but like home workout right how do i lose weight how do you die like because that shit's fucking everywhere now yeah right? like this was back in 08 so there was i mean facebook wasn't even really a th- i mean it was a thing it was but a I think, thing it was just getting off like just yeah, starting off like I, I i come from where we come from the generation of, like myspace you know like, right <laughs> top eight friends like tom tom's one of them <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, you have some HTML, you know, you put some music on your shit, and then you're just like, all right, I'm golden. Right. Um, but, yeah, so I didn't really know what to do, so I was like, fuck, man, all right, like, here we go. So, and that was the fire I needed lit under my ass, man, and I just, every day, rain, sun, shine, freaking, I did it. And what motivated me even more was seeing the other kids that were joining leaving for boot camp. Like, before just, you. Yeah, before right. me, and I was just like, dude. And I was still going to school. And there used to be this arcade. It's a kickboxing studio now. But there used to be this arcade uh, called Super. And I used to hang out there. Being the nerd that I am, I used to, play, I used to hang out there, play games all day. Uh, there was a Japanese arcade. So, like, Tekken was my shit. Mm. Um, they'd have, like, Street Fighter tournaments to, like, 1 in the morning. Like, 2 in the morning. Uh, it's in Walnut. Across yeah. the street from Mount Zach. And my friends from there would just see me running. 
and they would just be like yo dude you're really doing it and uh, i was like yeah man i'm really doing <laughs> it so it was just kind of like i was like man like kind of it felt good man like i felt in a way i felt like i was the the champion of the nerds right you know we're all nerds but they were just like dude like i couldn't do it man we got one <laughs> <laughs> yeah right so and it was it i always kind of and as a kid for me i think just being the way that i was and my upcoming i i always had a very vivid imagination and i was always a daydreamer like i would watch a movie and i would just imagine that yeah that's how i mm-hmm. right totally like, relate to that. you know what i mean like mm-hmm. you just kind of like you picture yourself in that and you're like, yeah i'm Man. in that movie i'm that character yeah and fucking everything else is just blanked out and then someone asks me like, you don't listen i'm like i'm fucking wa-. like don't talk to me when i'm watching tv <laughs> right <laughs> i'm gone <laughs> it's like almost in a way you romanticize it yeah 100%, you, you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i just i that there's a long stretch before you get to the office and there's always cars like backing in and out dangerous surprise miracle i didn't get hit by a car mm-hmm. um and i just always imagined that was like the same the stairs of rocky like right. that was my whole thing i was just like bam i'm gonna go i'm mm-hmm. gonna go and that's actually kind of how i got into running that's really just how i got into running um and you have to pass like obviously you know like before you get into boot camp they give you this like little like Basic fitness test yeah them. like you gotta be able to pass it but my recruiter's like dude you can't even do a pull-up right now because you're too heavy he's like but once the weight comes off he's like You'll, you'll be all right. Mm-hmm. He's like, just worry about losing the weight. And he's like, and then the running. And it's true. You know, everything he said was true. And I think that was the first time that I was just like, wow, I actually had somebody that was involved and like really in, in it for me. You know what I mean? Not what I was used to. I wasn't used to being like, well, get your ass on. Like, let's go. Mm-hmm. You know, in the sense that you can do it. Right. Not like putting me down, but put the work in. It, and then yeah. You'll fucking pushing me like, go, go. You know, so so you start to lose all this weight. Uh, what's your weight at at the time that you're re- you're physically fit, ready to go? So I joined in April mm-hmm. of uh, '09. I joined in April of '09, and I was so I was 282, and then when I joined, I was 240. Okay. And they were like, "Okay, you're good." And then on top of that, uh, so the first time I went to Meps, you know, Meps is like awful. Mm-hmm. It's it sucks. I got to Meps and I was like, I was just on the dot, and I couldn't. I was like, no water, nothing. It's it kind of like fight. It's fighting, like, yeah, it like yeah. fighting, dude. Like, <laughs> I was like, damn, all right. And I peed in a cup, you know, for the piss test, mm-hmm. and they were like, you're too dehydrated. Like, you are too dehydrated. And actually, it was on top of that. Um, I want to backtrack a little bit. On top of that, like, I would hang out with some of my friends. And part of the sacrifice for that too was like I wanted it so bad that they would we would go out to eat at like places like Norms and I would just wouldn't eat mm-hmm. I wouldn't eat I'd watch them all eat and they felt awkward or like sometimes they'd be like dude just eat it's cool like you got two weeks and I'm like no I want to make it I don't want to ever miss weight boom so it was just it in a lot of ways if I didn't go through that mm-hmm. I wouldn't have made it to boot camp mm-hmm. like I would not have made it through boot camp I don't think I would have. Um, if I hadn't gone through all that, like, weight loss, watching people eat and, like, the grit. Um, so, okay, we'll fast forward back to MEPS. So, I was too dehydrated, and they didn't let me join that day. But they're like, come back Monday. I joined. I tried to join on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, come back Monday. And I was like, cool. So, I came back Monday. Good thing is I didn't have to make weight that time. I just had to be hydrated. Mm-hmm. So, everything else checked out. I was good to go. Um, and then after that, they were like, hey gotta lose another 30 to ship no i'm sorry you gotta lose another 
I had to be down at 220. So I was 242. Mm-hmm. I had to be down at 220. And my recruiter's like, your ship date's in October. So he was like, um, you can do it two ways. You can go to 220 or you can get to 190 as, as close as you can and not be a diet recruit. And he's like, dude, I'm telling you, diet recruit sucks, man. He's like, you don't want to be a diet recruit. You got enough time. So I was like, man. But if you're a diet recruit, does that mean they just sort of monitor you, like your meals and stuff, when you're in boot camp? Oh, yeah. Oh, so you don't want to do that at all. Yeah, yeah. It's like, fucking bad enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll get into that, dude. Okay. Like, I, I have some I have some funny stories I've never about even that. heard of that, honestly. Oh, you guys didn't? No, i never heard of that. Yeah, though. they call them diet recruits. But um, so I was like, fuck, dude. Well, all right. So I lost another 30. Mm-hmm. I lost another 30. So I was actually at – no, I'm sorry. I was at two. Because I know when I shipped, I was at like 195, and I had to be at 202. So you so almost was, lost 100 pounds. Yeah. At okay. that point, I was almost 100 pounds. And then when I graduated boot camp, I was 182. So mm-hmm. I lost 100 pounds. Yeah. But I did – the 90 was was all me, and then the 10 was just boot camp. Right. Um. So, yeah, I, I was ni- I had 90 pounds lighter, and a year later from meeting my recruiter, like literally a year later, I was ready to go. Mm-hmm. And that in itself was – oh, man – I don't know about you, but when I when I left for boot camp, it was, it was I was I was really scared. I was anxious. I was like, "Fuck, dude!" I I didn't sleep the night before because my you know like when they yeah. pick you up, yeah, dude. I didn't sleep the night before. I was crying. I was throwing up, dude. <laughs> I was just I was a mess, dude. I was just like, man, I can't. I was scared, man. I was I was really scared, and um, I I don't you know what sucked too is uh. You know, I, because I wasn't sleeping and I just, I was so nervous. I was throwing up. I overheard my dad told my mom, he's like, this dude's not going to make it. Like he didn't say this dude, but uh, he's just like, he's not going to make it, fucked. Yeah. you know? And that was the one person that I kind of realized that I always tried to, I mean, this is like an issue that comes in with like depression is like, I always tried to, and it, it, it it's just crazy how as you get older, you realize things about yourself too. Like mm-hmm. that's something that for me has been a big thing is I realize like why I have, I'm one of those guys that I have to know why I do something. Mm-hmm. Like I have to know the why it's a good trait to have. Um, thank you. So it, it that, 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 that just made me even more, I you think, know, I think too, tell me, tell me, I don't know how your experience was, but your recruiter's super cool with you, obviously. Right? right. So you're getting sort of this treatment of like, Hey, you can do this, man. You got this man. Right. And then when you're going into boot camp, the energy starts to shift. <laughs> right. People stop being so like, Hey, get on the plane. Everything's going to be cool. Like it starts to get a lot more. Go sit over there. Don't fall asleep. Yeah. It starts to get, and you're like, wait a minute. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. You kind of feel like you got cheated. No, actually, you know, I, I, I am so glad that I had a, a really good recruiter that really gave a shit. Yeah. That did not happen to me, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> usually I have a story about that too. Um, but my, my recruiter, he never lied to me. You know, that was one thing. He never lied to me about anything, about how things were going to be. And he was always a straight shooter. He still is. To this day, I still talk to him. I actually talked to him on the way here. Uh, you know, a very straight shooter. Never never lied to me about how things were going to be. And he told me, I remember, like, I was, he's like, are you scared? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, it's normal. He's like, if you're not scared, he's like, you're, at, you're, you're either really, like, confident or you're in for a rude awakening. He's like, dude, it's normal. But he's like, the fact that you lost 90 pounds on your own, he's like, because you did it, not me. He's like, you're going to make it. He's like, you, you're, you're going to make it. He's like, you're going to be fine. 
He's like, I know you're going to be fine. And you see, like, that's the, that's the, that, that's the big difference between what I had heard from my dad and what I heard from my recruiter, a guy that only knew me for a year, only knew me for a year. Well, he also sounds like, uh, to his credit, I don't know the guy or anything like that, but I think for the most part, most recruiters, 95% of them are in there to get you to sign up because they get some type of commission. They're in there to give you the, pretty much the rawest deal because they're going to get a percentage of the money that they don't give you. And if you got someone that's like, thinking long-term like can this guy lose 100 pounds and then maybe i get him in that that's not something people like just go on to the next person so for him to go out and be like hey man you got to do this this and this and then i could help you that's already him just being right probably like fucking so and that's what he told me he Mm -hmm. that's that's what he told me he's just like you know a lot of people were like dude you're wasting your time that's what yeah like Mm -hmm. why are you wasting your time on this kid like i you know he in in a lot of people told him that he should have done the same thing that the army the navy and the air force had told me come back when you're ready Mm-hmm. you know they weren't gonna waste their time with me yeah so i and at the time i was just like man i lucked out mm-hmm. i was like well here we go you know he picked me up and then got to maps he's like, i'll see you in three months and i was like fuck all right here we go dude yeah. and then uh you know you're at maps and i went with two guys from my recruiting station they had different recruiters though mm-hmm. and i remember they're you know they they ask you a bunch of times they're like all right, do you have anything you want to let us know? You know, like it was, it's kind of like a way out. They give you that little window way out. And you're just like, I don't know. You know, like for me, I didn't have to fly anywhere. They just mm-hmm. took a bus. They took us on a bus to San Diego. So I was just like, nah, man, like I came too far. I was like, I'm scared, but I came way too far, dude. I worked way too hard for this, man. Like, uh, I got to do it. Yeah. And it's funny because you literally just see a bunch of kids. Everyone's 18, 19. Yeah. And you see everyone and and there's different reactions. There's people that are like scared like me. And then there's people like, I'm going to be fucking guide. Yeah. I'm going to be the company yeah. honorman. Yeah. I'm going to be the stud. Mm-hmm. And then like, it gets even worse on the bus. It's like more intense. Mm-hmm. And then they played the Hurt Locker on the bus for us. Oh, they- <laughs> <laughs> Dude, they play the worst movies. Like when you're going to, to like some crazy shit, it's it's stupid. Like going to Afghanistan, they play Dear John. Like wow, like why would you guys do that? Shitting. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like well, thank God I'm single. You don't have to worry about this shit. Right. You know, but the guy next to me is just like, oh fuck, man. <laughs> like, like I, I, you know. So um, we're on the way to San Diego, and they have this like last meal as a civilian. Like, you get that voucher, mm-hmm. you know, they give you a little voucher. And it, for us, it was at Denny's in Oceanside. And uh, World War II vets, like, Marines would come by and eat dinner with us. And I remember one of the guys I left with my recruiting station, he ended up being in my platoon at boot camp. He was, uh, his name was Velasquez. He got a he got such a shitty deal. And I, I just, I don't, I hope he's okay. He's one of those dudes that, like, I was, I was cool with them when I joined. Like, he just became my friend. And I was cool with them. And then boot camp, we went through it together. But... He got a really shitty deal. And I remember he was just like, dude, we could totally run right now. Yeah. Like he, he literally told me on the bus. He's like, we could run right now. He's like, dude, I can have my cousin come pick us up because we're on the five. He's like, we could totally run. And I'm like, dude, God knows I want to, man. But <laughs> I can't, man. Like, I just can't. I can't go home like that, man. Like, I can't go home like be disappointed. You know, mm-hmm. like I work so hard and there's a lot of things that just, you know, some people didn't want to see you make, you know, they don't, they don't want to see you make it and it hurts as bad as it hurts. It just, it kind of just becomes, you know, like, uh, that was part of like what gave me the fuel. I was just like, you know, I would just be mad all the time. Be like, you know, fuck these guys. Like, I'm gonna fucking do it. And I would think of like high school. 
Mm-hmm. That's another thing too. I would think of high school. I think of that girl that called me fucking ugly. Get away from me. I thought about this. <laughs> so I, I don't think it was really traumatic, but <clears throat> it was wrong. Uh, the swim captain, I was on the swim team. He was a football player, but he joined the swim team one season and became a swim captain because he's tall and like he was good at like short distance swimming. But I was fat at the time. So he thought it'd be funny to like fondle me all the time. Mm-hmm. Like he would just fondle me and like people would laugh. Give me the scoop. Yeah, dude. Scoop and, yeah, boots, yeah. He would just be like, dude, you got like big ass titties and like, yeah. you know, titties. And I'm just like, fuck, dude. So, you know, I was just like, nah, dude. That, and that, that, like, I would literally think of that when I'm running. That was just my thing. I'm like, just thinking about that. Just thinking about that. Um, so we're on the bus and I was like, dude, I can't do that, Richard. His name's Richard. I was like, I can't do that, Richard, man. Like, he's like, all right. I think he wanted me to go with him. And then he was like, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So we went, we went to boot camp, and I was like, man, how long is it going to take? So this is like where the fuck fuck games start. They drove us around like San Diego for an hour, but they make you put your heads down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm like, put your head down. <laughs> yeah. Put your head down. Like it's about to pop off. And yeah. You're just fucking cruising. Yeah. yeah. And I'm That's just like, hilarious. and it was just like, man, I was like, dude, if, uh, and then I just started thinking of, like, Saving Private Ryan. And you know why? Because the guy sitting next to me, not Velasquez, Velasquez sitting on the other side, dude just starts praying. He busts out his rosary, and he's just like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. my God, please, God, help me, help me. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And then, I like, brought mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, oh, fuck, dude. Like, here we go. And the lights get dimmer. Yeah. You know, the lights get dimmer. Yeah. And then, finally, after the hour, we stop. And we go through the gates. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is it. And I, I remember I looked out the window, and the MP just, <gasps> just starts hitting the window. And I'm like, shit. <laughs> and I was like, well, I here we go. And then the DI comes on the bus. And he's just like, you know, this is Marine Corps Recruit Depot, Sadio, California. You know, the first and last words out of your mouth will be, sir. And you're just like, oh, shit. And then, like, bam. But... The trippy thing for me was it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Like, getting yelled at, I was like, I mean, I'm not going to say, like, I was, like, all hardcore or anything. I was just kind of like, okay, well, this sucks, but mm-hmm. it's not the worst. Like, it, it it's manageable. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the dudes that were, like, going to be, oh, I'm going to be God, I'm going to be fucking stuck. That's where they have the hardest time. Those are the dudes that fucking fell apart, man. Right. Those are the dudes that were getting us in trouble, like, fucking up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and then... um yeah, that was the first experience to just, I guess, everything that I'd been through with my recruiter, I was, like, going through boot camp, and I was like, man, thank God. Like, thank God he, yeah. he treated me this way, and thank God he showed me, because it was kind of like a prequel, a, a pre, a prequel to, like, ripping me out of my shell, because the military just fucking yanks you out. Yeah, I think, I think that, I wrote, I was writing this book on shit, and uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me was that bus ride, how my head was down. Everything was dark, and I realized things weren't going to be the fucking same. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, oh, no. Shit. But my recruiter was very like, oh, everything's going to be fine. Yeah. You know, fuck me out of all my money. <laughs> yeah. When I got in there, and then when I got off and everyone was fucking screaming, I was like, oh, shit. Right. <laughs> that, that was like my – so, like, to me, that was a moment that really fucking stuck out to me. So Yeah, you're just like – You can tell that. I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's, it's just mayhem, dude. Yeah. They're just like, get over there. No, get over there. And people's stress is so high. They're freaking out, and they're yeah. like, go right, and they'll go forward. And it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's just fucking crazy. You get off the bus, everyone's fucking screaming. 
dream. You haven't slept because you're so nervous. Yeah. Your adrenaline's high, but you're completely exhausted. You know, you're just, ah! Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like, you're... It, it's surreal man it's just it's fucking it, it's funny like i think now we can look back on it it's hilarious it's hilarious, it, yeah. it's hilarious. like when i when i hear people like i'm going to boot camp i'm just like hey have fun man yeah thank god i don't gotta do that shit oh, you again. see people fucking with the new guys you know like, yeah. you bastard like it yeah. does look funny though <laughs> yeah um you know and it was just a lot of shit man like no stalls on the door yeah, you're shitting right there yep, next to your buddy. Shitting right there. Showering. Showering. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, in the Marines, it's all males west of the Mississippi. You're going to San Diego. Uh, all males east of the Mississippi. You're going to Paris Island. Females go to Paris Island. So. Oh, so uh, there's no females in uh, Camp Pendleton. No, oh, no. Sh- for for that. recruit training in San Diego, there's no females. It was all males. Okay. So for I think my platoon, we had 70 guys. Uh, 55 of us graduated. Um, and that was the thing too. I, I didn't take my first shit and I don't know if it's because I was so nervous. <laughs> so you didn't take your first shit <laughs> for like a week. You did shit for a week. No, dude. I did. I, I think it wasn't until black Friday. So we had like receiving a brown you know, Friday. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. So I was just like, man, you know, the whole week I was just like, dude, I can't crap, man. Like what the hell is going on? Yeah. And then Friday, they're like black Friday. They're like, that's when you meet your actual drill instructors. So I was like, shit, okay. And, you know, it didn't, like, receiving doesn't seem so bad. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys had a receiving too, right? Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. so receiving didn't seem too bad. And then you got to get the, you got to learn the naval, you know, the naval terms in the Marines too. So it's like, you got to learn quarter deck, portholes. You know, portholes are glasses or windows. I, and I had the BCGs. I had the birth control glasses, yeah. man. I was like, <laughs> fucking. Pimp daddy. Dude. It's funny because now, like, everyone rocks them, and I'm just like, dude, I shouldn't have fucking got yeah, rid of mine. Yeah, so the big hipster, sort of overly sized glasses, um, that's like what they put on you in boot camp, and they look horrible, and they call them birth control glasses because nobody wants to fuck you when you're wearing them. <laughs> yep, exactly. You are not getting laid wearing those. So um, I had those on. I had a little fucking strap too, so I just yeah. looked like a fucking geek. And then I'm bald. <laughs> and uh Yeah, I didn't I didn't crap for I didn't crap till then and it was it was it felt like a brick just coming out of my ass, dude. <laughs> I think it was like the, the chow hall food, you know, right. and like you know, all that stress and everything too. Yeah. yeah, dude. And um I one thing I wasn't used to that I didn't I was told but I didn't know how to expect it was the counting down the county down and i knew that they were there to break you down to build you back up but holy shit right. I, I did not know like you know like you meet so black friday comes around and it's like you meet the officer he seems cool you know the sir he's like you know if you guys have any problems you know you work up the chain of command you know blah blah drill instructors you got him and then you're just like, oh, man. Yeah. And they're like, get online. And you have your bag. And then they're like, make you dump it out in front of you. And they're kicking shit and everything. <laughs> and they're just like, it's mayhem. They're like, scream. And you're just like, I don't, oh. Like, like. Um, and I remember, dude, I had, this, uh, I had this, I couldn't march. That was my big thing. Dude, I was getting fucked up a lot because I couldn't march. Uh. I just had no rhythm. I was always stepping off on my right. And everyone would step off on their left. And I had this drill instructor uh, at the time. His name is Sergeant Taylor. He just reminded me of Kevin Hart. Short, black dude, but just like, <gasps> you know, really aggressive. And then we had this other one. They had him. They, uh, he was our drill hat. So he's the one that taught us how to drill. And he would wake me up at 3 in the morning all the time. 
like every day because i was a drill waiver so you know we get to it and you know after like the first week of getting used to like everyone's naked you're showering and then taking a shit you look across there's another dude taking a shit what's up, Bobby? yeah so <laughs> so you know and then the countdowns for the bathroom oh that's what i want to talk about the countdowns so there's 70 of us but there's only like 10 stalls and they're like you have 70 seconds to, sh- to take a piss and we're like what the hell and they're like 70 69 68 67 and you're like what the fuck and then next thing you know it's like there's like five guys to a pisser so everyone's just pissing in the same thing i, me- I remember one time i pissed on my buddy's boot and he's like yo what the fuck and i was like my bad dude <laughs> like um i don't know did they have you guys talking third person in the navy no so we had to talk in third person you couldn't say me my i you'd have to say this recruit mm-hmm. that was another thing too that was hard to get used to um and i think for me that was the first that was the first i mean i've never ever wanted to be that guy we called it blue falcon never want to be the buddy fucker so um you know there was all that oh drill drill so we had our initial drill which is like marching and like the rifle manual and all that stuff uh my drill instructor is like you fucking suck you're gonna have to go to medical and you're gonna have to pretend you're hurt so you're not in this drill <laughs> that's what they call a drill waiver okay and i remember dude i got so fucked up because it was just like i was like sir this recruit uh integrity and they're like well <laughs> get on the court because <laughs> yeah. like, i wasn't hurt right. i just couldn't drill for shit yeah and then after that, that's when I started getting individual attention at three in the morning. Mm-hmm. It was always like drill instructor Sergeant Taylor just walked by my rack and he'd be like, you see the silhouette, the smoky bear, you see the silhouette? He's like, slow, slow. I'm like, he's like, go to the quarterdeck. And I'm like, fuck. And I would just, and if I didn't do shit right, push. And I'd have to whisper, one, he's like, one, sir, two, sir dude like it was just like oh fuck and we got to be up at five in the morning right so i'm just like and you have an hour fire watch so you got to like stand to make sure no one tries to run away and shit Mm -hmm. um happy ending though we ended up winning final drill and i was part of it so you know i learned through you know pain retains right as the the saying goes pain retains and he used to always tell me he's like dude if if you get to graduate i'm gonna tell you how much i'm gonna tell your mom how much of a turd you are and i was like oh no (laughs) no no please don't you know um he didn't (laughs) thank god um what else what else uh that was the first time i actually ever fired a gun too See, my dad had guns at his house, but he never took me hunting, never told, taught me how to shoot. And I was like, I found out I was a left-handed shooter mm-hmm. and some coaching and stuff. I think that was the only time, and it's because, you know, obviously when you have a loaded rifle, you're not going to yell at you. It's kind of stupid. Right. Um, I ended up, that was, that was boot camp was such a, you know, they said it's the easiest thing that's, that's going to, you know, you're going to go through in the military. And it's true. But for me, it was a big confidence boost. I never shot a gun. Uh, I ended up getting expert. Mm-hmm. I'm getting expert. And there's was, three levels. There's standard, there's sharpshooter, and there's expert. So yeah. if you're expert, that's the best of the best, pretty much. So I got expert, and I was like, damn. Yeah. I'm a bad motherfucker. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. I was like, man, that's cool with my BCGs and everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, that's what's up. And then the the last test, man. Oh, oh so actually, I'll, I'll talk about Velasquez, uh, Richard. And, you know, he got the shit into the stick. Uh, so they were naming off our jobs. Like, uh, you know, I was a radio operator, so I got 0621 
And he wanted to be military police. He wanted to be an MP. But when they read off his job, they were like, you know, 0300 infantry. And he was like, uh, sir, there's a mistake. And they're like, no, there's no mistake. It's right here on the roster. You got 0300 infantry. So his recruiter put him in as a grunt. And it's not even the job that he wanted. And later on down the road, I learned that, you know, he ended up being in a unit with another guy that I met in 2-5. It was in Afghanistan. He was just like, yeah, I know Velasquez. Dude was a turd. And I was like, well, that's not really what he wanted to do. You know, I never talked to Velasquez again. And they're just like, yeah, well, he's all fucked up now. You know, so that's why I said, you know, I hope he's okay. And like, and it was one of those things, like his recruiter was that guy, like, yeah, come on, we got you, we got you. You know what I mean? And that was that, man. Yeah. You know, and that was just one of those things where he would tell me, he's like, dude, I wish I had, you know, I wish I had your recruiter. He's like, I wish I had your recruiter. Right. Because I, 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 I already knew what I was going to get. I was like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to be communications. Mm-hmm. Okay. That that works for me. I mean, I didn't really know what to expect of communications, but... I was well, like, you have some kind of skill, too. So when you get out of the military, you have some kind of thing you could fall back on, some kind of trade. So if you're just infantry, you know, generally when you fall back, it's a lot harder, too, because there's no skill you're actually learning other than, right. you know, obviously military tactics and stuff like that, which... Even that's hard to be a cop now. Yeah. Because you got you, mm-hmm. you to gotta break all that down, and yeah. it's like, now you're a cop. Because the cop, you know, being a cop, you're not out there to, like, go and kill somebody. You know what no. I mean? Yeah, you're there to, saying, you yeah. know... Mm-hmm. So even then, that's hard, you know. Not supposed um, to do that anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're not supposed to do that, but you know, some of these guys they freaking right. go and do it. But, um. So how was your graduation like? Did your parents come down? Yeah. Uh, so, um, the crucible. Mm-hmm. Before we get to graduation, the crucible. Uh, that was that's the last test before you join. Uh, before you graduate, and basically, I think. You hike like sixty something miles over the course of three days, and they have and on the West Coast. The reason why the West Coast Marines they um we we always make fun of the East Coast guys that graduate is because everything's flat over there. But the over there they got the sand fleas. So, we have the Reaper, which is just this fucking giant hill. And for me, I went I went to boot camp in October, and I graduated in January. So I was there for all the holidays. We got we actually got fucked up in uh, on Thanksgiving, and then Christmas we watched three hundred. Nice. <laughs> like, yeah, it's motivation, guys. Like, let's watch 300. And I'm like, oh, all right, well, that's cool. And then, um, so the crucible, it was, and then you get two M- two MREs for those three days. You get two MREs. That's all you get to eat. So you got to ration that food out. Um, and I remember I was just at that point, I never thought San Diego could get cold, but mm-hmm. wow, mm-hmm. like it gets cold. And then you learn, you're like, man, no sweater. You know, you just got your skivvy shirt and your camis, and you're like, "Oh fuck, this is cold." And my hands had my hands were um, all dry, and I started I had cuts on my knuckles just from like the the weather, and I was just like, it was to a point where I felt like I felt like I was just kind of like clawing at things, yeah, clawing at things, you know. <laughs> and it's just like you gotta hit it, you know. You hit your hand. Um. So I remember they got us, and, and, and on top of that, you're running on, like, four hours of sleep each day. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it is fucking awful. And they woke us up. Lo and behold, it was three in the morning, and you sleep under the stars. So you're sleeping outside, you know, and you're just in your sleeping bag, and you got to pack everything fast. They're, like, pack. And then this hike, you're fast walking. Like, I almost think power walking with all that stuff on is more tiring than running, mm-hmm. and they don't let you run. They're, right. like, you're fucking marching. Like, yeah. go, go, go. And we finally get to the Reaper, and the safety vehicle, it's still pitch black. It's just going up 
and you see the the the, the tail lights, and it goes up, and it goes up, and it's the last thing you got to do. It's the last thing you got to do, and then it stops, and you're like, oh, it's not that bad, and then it keeps going up, <laughs> and you're just like, oh, just fucking with you, <laughs> my god. And then finally they're like, attack the hill. And you just fucking go up that motherfucker. And you start seeing people fall out. And there's people, like, I remember one of the dudes, he was a short dude from Louisiana. I forgot his name. He started using his rifle as a walking stick. Big no-no. Mm-hmm. Fucking drill instructor grabbed him by the, by the chest and was just like, try it again. And fucking pushed him. And he just fucking tumbled down. He made it. Yeah. But it was just like, you see people falling out. They're like, I can't do this. And we finally got off the, t- I got to the top one. And they're like, you got two more. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And this one kid next to me, he broke down. Yeah. He broke down. He's like, I can't do it. And then on top of that, all the mayhem, everyone's running around. The chaplain's like, it's a good day to become Marines. And he's like, dude, <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> but you can't say that. It's, right. ch- it's chaps, you know. You're just like, he's like, God, God gave you this, you know, the strength to get up this hill. Now you got to go up the other two. And you're like, oh, fuck, man. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear that shit. Um, graduation, though. Graduation. Oh, one more funny story. Sorry, dude. I had another funny story. I think it's funny, too. Like, every drill instructor, they have, like, these funny, like, mannerisms about themselves. Yeah. Like, we had this tall one. They called him the wizard. Mm-hmm. His name is uh, Sergeant Griebenau. But whenever he would yell... He reminded me of the T-Rex from Jurassic Park because when he would yell, his hands would go like this and he would clench him and then he would just be like, <laughs> you know? and uh, I remember one time because I had, so I broke my pinky as a kid mm-hmm. and it, it wouldn't, that looks pretty fucked up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so when I would salute, they would, they would fucking give me shit for yeah, it. Yeah. Cause your pinky is supposed to be in a certain area. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so I was bold with big thumbs. <laughs> So, so one day we're standing in line and, and, you know, we're doing the hygiene check. So we're in our fucking tidy whities and like, you know, just like doing the hygiene check. And he's just like, he starts flicking it. And he, and I'm like, oh shit. And he's just like, ew, what is wrong with you? He's like, it's fucking disgusting. And I was just like, I, I, I was trying not to laugh. Cause yeah. I was just like, I knew, I knew it. I was like, I knew it. And he's just like, but it's so amusing. He's yeah. like, it's just, it's fucking grotesque. He's like, that's, that's, that's heinous. You understand that? And I'm like, oh shit. I was like, oh, well, this recruit was born this way. He's like, oh, so you're fucking born disgusting then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, a lot of times too, they fuck with you. And then the second you break your like, um, yeah. like your character, then they're just like, ah! <laughs> yeah, go, go fucking push. Yeah, they push. wait for you to like fuck up. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> I remember one time he was like, we were cleaning the squad van. He was, he told us, he was like, hey man, he told one of the recruits, he's like, you're going to put that fucking mattress in your pocket right goddamn now. And I was like, like, everyone just kind of stopped. And, like, the recruit's like, sir? And he's like, put the mattress in your pocket. And you're like, what the fuck? So I start laughing. He's like, oh, good. You want to fucking laugh? Go. Go to the quarter deck. And I was like, shit, man. <laughs> this is, like, my third time up there. Yeah. And then the ki- and then next thing you know, I was like, oh, good, everyone. So then now it's, like, four guys on the quarter deck. And you're just like, shit. So yeah, you know it was uh it was, it was good times, good times. Um, graduation, graduation. My parents went. Um, my dad showed up. That was that was kind of cool. No, it was it was a good time. It was cool. Uh, my friends, like my friends from the arcade, were like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, it was cool, man. Like, um, and it was was cool as they had family day the day before. 
and usually family day is supposed to last a little longer you know they let you go on the marine side they don't let you know you go and meet your family see your family and then you're in your um we were in our uh bravos so i had the green trousers and the long khaki shirt and my little pizza stain ribbon Mm -hmm. national defense just Mm -hmm. like yeah yeah you know uh saw my mom my sister were there and uh you know just took them around the px and you know and then meet the drill instructors and you know drill instructor sergeant taylor was there and he's like come here slew and i was like oh man (laughs) he's gonna tell my mom was a turd and he's just like i was like mom this is uh drill instructor sergeant taylor taught me how to march and he's just like oh your son has improved a lot you know he's improved a lot he had a little bit of trouble but he improved a lot and he was really nice about it And i was like wow that's really cool and i was like man i really thought he was gonna call me a turd yeah like you know and um they actually so san diego state had a basketball game so we ended up going to that instead in our uniform, and they closed off a section for us. So we we ended up going to the basketball game. They cut our family day short, took a bus, went to the went to the basketball game, and it was kind of funny because I was just like, it was the first time I'd ever seen a female in three months. Right. So we you know we're like, oh my god, and it's San Diego State, so it's like, oh yeah, oh, yeah, you're just like, oh my god. But they're like, you can't talk to the females. That's why we have our own fucking box, and all the drill instructors are just watching us like chaperones, you know. Right. So that was that. And then the next day I was, and then on top of that, the next day I just, I was going over the list of everything I was going to eat. Mm-hmm. Did you make one? No, I don't think so. Dude, I was like in and out the hat, like, <laughs> like everything I could think of. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And then, um, so I graduated and it was really cool, man. It was, uh, yeah, like it was, it was, it was, it was a trip. Cause my dad was there and I was like, man. Like, a part of me would just want to be like, what's up? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, what? But I was like, nah, man. Like, you know, he's like, hey, I'm proud of you. And I was like, thanks, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and I was, yeah, it was, it was, I was excited, man. Like, I was just like, wow, dude, like, I, I did it. You know, I, I did it. I, all of that, you know. Um, so, and we get 10 days leave. That was us. So it was three months because we had the longest. So we had 10 days leave. And I went home. And, you know, everyone's like, yo, what up? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, look at me. You know. Um, and then eventually, you know, you go to combat training. And then you kind of, like, boot camps. Like, boot camp, you make friends. But those aren't the friends that you stick with. It's the friends when you hit the fleet. You know, right. your unit. So I got to the unit. And, um I was I served I I got stationed in 29 Palms and I was with the uh, 1st Battalion 7th Marines. So that was uh, that was my unit. It's an infantry unit, but I was again, I was an infantry, I was a radio operator. Um so I see that you're a movie buff. Mm-hmm. So I would say up up until Afghanistan for me it was the experience was kind of like uh the new guy. <laughs> because i was still a fucking nerd dude right. like like i was just like man like it's still kind of like high school i mean i didn't i didn't show my nerdy tendencies because like dude i'm gonna get fucking tore the fuck up here man this right. is the fucking marine corps like i can't be who i was in high school so i'm just gonna be quiet i was like i'm not just, like not talking to anyone and i still had and then you get i got to my unit and i was trying to wear my like uh regular glasses and they're like nope you're fucking boot you can't fucking wear that shit. You're going to wear your BCGs when you're at work. Mm-hmm. So I was like, shit. And they're like, you guys can't get medium fades. You got to get high and tights or you got to be bald. 
So you're like, shit, man. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought I was graduated boot camp and shit. Big time. <laughs> yeah. And then at the time, it was funny because, you know, when you're a boot and then the infantry culture, I mean, the grunts have it a lot worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, we. I just got a taste. I got a taste of it. Mm-hmm. I just got a taste of it. But the grunts have it a lot worse. And that's why they are the way they are, man. That's why they're arrogant. And, like, some people would say they're arrogant. You know, I'm just like, but you don't know the shit that they go through. Mm-hmm. Even, like, you earn everything, you know, with the infantry. And it's all guys. Again, like, I I'd never had to... We had to sit through sexual harassment briefs, but we... We're all dudes. Yeah, it's you know? not an issue. Really. Yeah, it was like, we're all dudes. Um, so how it was the new guy for me? So everything that I couldn't wear in high school, because I was, I was too fat, mm-hmm. I started wearing in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. And, and my friend Julio, who I went to go see at Oregon recently, him and my other buddy, Zach, who's from uh, Boston, he's from Massachusetts, big Boston, like Red Sox, like Patriots fan, whatever. They were just like, why the fuck do you dress like a skater mm-hmm. they're like dude you dress like you're 12 <laughs> and i'm like i like it and they're like no dude no you're not no you're not gonna wear that mm-hmm. and i'm like all right so they started teaching me how to dress <laughs> and uh it was actually the first time i would say that like i said it, w- it was kind of like high school we had our nerds mm-hmm. and then you had your like you know that weren't in shape but these guys were like the top dogs in our, in our peer group mm-hmm physically in shape knew everything um they were always put in charge as boots like they're they put they were put in charge um again i didn't really talk to anyone so it wasn't actually until so okay so my first deployment was to southeast asia mm-hmm. so i lived the ship life in my first deployment okay went to oki in uh july of 2009 uh 2010 went to oki uh i was there for a month okinawa japan was there um i had expectations of it being like Tokyo Drift, not at all. Like, <laughs> not at all. So, you know, I get there and I'm like, cool, you know, this is Oki. And I, because I checked into the unit, I didn't do any of the workup to it. I got to my unit and they were like, hey, you're going on leave because we're deploying in two weeks. So I was like, wow. Okay. You know, I don't really know anyone. Didn't really get time to know anyone. I just went on leave. And then, uh, so I get to Oki and then I was like, all right. In Okinawa, Japan, that's cool. Don't really know anyone. We're still getting fucked with. We're new guys, you know, like having to do all kinds of shit. Feel dang till like t- midnight, cleaning your room, cleaning the halls, and then you get up at four or five, and then we have another watch, like all kinds of like ridiculousness. Um, and then they're like, hey, they had to give up bodies for ship's company to be on the ship, and I didn't, again, nobody knew who I was, so I got picked. Like it was like out of my peer group that like graduated from my rate, uh, my comm school class, it was like eight of us and I got picked, which was actually a blessing in disguise because every, everybody from every company got picked as ship's company. So I ended up getting to go to mainland Japan. Mm. I went to Sasebo. So that was cool. Like I was on my own and I was like, cool. Like, you know, every, I went to the Navy base there and just a few Marines lived on the ship. I was there for like two weeks, got to see mainland Japan. Um, and then we, we went underway. It was like 44 days at sea before we saw land after mm. we picked up my unit mm. in Oki. And in that time, my friend Julio, who I went to see in Oregon, he just one day comes down to my birthing and he's just like, hey, you fuck. And I'm like, oh, shit, what did I do? You know, I'm like, what did I do? And he's like, we got shit to talk about. And then I see two other guys, uh, Rebe and then uh, it was a Rebe and it was uh, this guy named Bean. 
who's the luckiest dude I've ever served in the Marine Corps with, uh, he, and they're like, dude, you never told us you were fat. And I was like, I was like, well, I, I didn't think it was important. They're like, dude, we saw your fucking Facebook. Like, what the fuck, man? That's fucking awesome. And I was like, oh, thanks, guys. And they're just like, yeah, dude. And like, eat with us, man. Come visit, dude. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, wow. Like, so this is what it's like to have, like, friends from the other side of the fence. Again, like, in high school, like, I was unpopular. I mean, I had friends, but the bond wasn't the same. And I was like, man, like, now... I get to experience the other side, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just like, all right, man, you're gonna start lifting. <laughs> start, don't dress like a skater. Throw you know? down. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, you know, and it was just like, all right. And then, um, so we, what was neat about that was I, I did get to see a, a lot of the world, um, or mostly Asia, mm-hmm. actually Asia went to the Philippines. We didn't get to go to Thailand that we were, they, they said we were gonna go to Thailand, which ironically is Pattaya that's where they pour oh, shit. yeah so i mean like i totally had like you know going going to thailand i was like oh i understand why they pour here now yeah, like, yeah. it's fucking madness yeah, yeah it's fucking ridiculous yeah but we didn't get to go to thailand um and they said we were going to go to australia i really wanted to go to australia didn't get to go there but we went to the philippines and we started training with the filipino marines there and then a typhoon hit so everyone got back on the ship. We let the typhoon pass, and then it became a humanitarian mission. So we helped out for a few days. Well, that's cool. So that was neat too. Um, and then we kicked it in the Philippines a lot. Well, not a lot, but we kicked it in the Philippines. And then after that, every two weeks was just a new country. So what was neat about it was after that, went to Singapore. Did a little. I didn't do any training, but some of the guys in my unit did training with them. Mm-hmm. Um, Singapore was a trip. It was actually my favorite country. But it was the most expensive country we were yeah, there. Yeah, it's really trippy because it's like the most mod. I think it is the most expensive country in the world, Singapore. Or it's or, one of I don't them. Know, like, expensive place and the economy's great. Everything's super advanced, but they still fucking whip people in the courtyards. But prostitution is legal. But you can get a year in jail for spitting gum on the sidewalk. Yeah, <laughs> it's so nuts. a uh, funny story about that was uh, they had they had this thing called you know the four floors of horror. Four floors of yeah. Whores. Oh, so you heard. <laughs> <laughs> My buddy was telling, I was like, what the fuck are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, dude. So, me, okay, so here's the thing. My parents, I, I could honestly say I missed out on all that. I don't, well, I'm just saying that I did because everyone says I did. Yeah. I never actually, like, partook in any of that. No floors of whores. No floors of whores, dude. And it was, honestly, it was just the instillment that, like, my mom was always, like, as a kid, she used to always drill. And my grandma would be like, if you're going to do something wrong, they're like, always imagine that we're right next to you. So like that, that just like, Get away, was, grandma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. So I just ended up kicking it with a lot of married dudes, you know? Right. And, uh, and honestly, like my friends, Julio and Zach, they weren't really about it. Like, they're just like, dude, like if we're going to get, if we're going to get bitches, like we're going we're gonna to do it because we got game, right. you know, like mm-hmm. they're like, that's fucking whack or whatever. Right. So I never got to partake in that. Mm. I mean, thank God. Like now you're just like, now, like, and I, again, I was it's the internet like you're ig- you, not ignorant but they it's don't like, love you, don't, you you don't know like you, you know you don't know the you know now with the whole human trafficking thing and yeah. like you know you're more privy to it now you see it and you're like oh that's fucked up and i'm like for me i'm like you know i'm glad i didn't yeah because i don't know their story and it's usually yeah they're forced to know it and yeah, or they know, have a kid and that's the only way it's like yeah fucked up shit, it's and fucked then, up yeah. shit mm-hmm. yeah and like you know but back then it's 2010 yeah. you know you're not as privy to it <clears throat> not saying that it's an excuse but i mean for me it that's something that doesn't weigh on my conscience right you know right 
Um, but to give to give an idea of how the economy was back in 2010, I needed shoes because we crossed the equator and then I became a shellback. What's that? Uh, so they had the shellback uh, thing. Like when you cross the equator, you got to do like all kinds. You got to do it's a Navy tradition. And what they oh, do? Oh, I think I've heard of that. Uh-huh. Yeah, like the captain of the ship, he'll stop the ship, and then all the cooks they make some nasty food and they make you go through some obstacle courses. It was apparently it was worse back in the day, but oh. it was just kind of like, and then they're spraying you down with like hosing. I was about to say, I think I've heard of that. My this is one thing that really pisses me off about the navy. I never was on a ship. My buddy uh, Brett, we were supposed to go together, but he's seen the whole world. Uh, um, you know, he's told me all these stories. I had other friends that joined the navy. They went all these places. Like, you went a bunch of fucking cool places, did all this cool shit. <laughs> I'm so fucking. I'm like, I'm super interested but i'm also very upset right now i'm sorry <laughs> so man like, fuck man I, and I, I think i think when they used to do that i think they like a bunch of people in the navy back in the day would die because they would like put like oil fillers in their asses like as part of that ritual yeah you know? <laughs> it's a rite of passage we, uh, ted killed the guy like <laughs> yeah i think my experience was totally vanilla to like what some of these old timers did oh but. yeah but that's awesome so so you go through this whole ceremony and it's it's just like um i didn't have shoes uh-huh because my shoes were filled with like green dye from like the water they were like pouring on uh-huh. us and um but yeah i went through the ceremony and then, that's awesome man yeah that thank like you fun. Mm-hmm. they they give you a, a a certificate and they're like oh cool you know this you is cross the equator, cross the equator. Oh, so yeah, i'm like all right like, cool shell back you right. know shell back and then i was like well that's that's another that's another notch on my belt and uh after that uh, I get to Singapore, but I'm, I need shoes because we're in civilian attire. Mm-hmm. And then they had these like cheap ass Ed Hardy shirts that my friends were like, "Do not fucking buy them." I bought them, and I, mine had a tiger, and they're like, "Cool tiger, bro!" Like fucking other tiger, bro. This is before <laughs> Ed Hardy was yeah, like- <laughs> yeah, like like dude, I bought like four Ed Hardy shirts for like forty bucks. You know, not legit at that all. That girl would have went to the dance with me, Buzz. Where is she? So I. But the economy, like just to just to kind of give you an idea, it was like Vegas prices, man. Mm-hmm. As far as drinks were, um, but I bought a pair of Converse Chuck Taylors, and this is back in 2010 for sixty dollars, and they're just regular. You know, I went to the mall and I scooped sixty dollars back then. I think they were like starting to go up. But it was like forty back mm-hmm. home. You know, um, yeah. So spitting gum. There's no chewing gum, and the taxi driver was actually really nice. It was Asia's melting pot. Singapore? Yeah. Okay. So you had, like, there was, like, an Australian uh, naval base there, mm-hmm. and then he took us to, like, an Indian neighborhood, and then he took us to, um, like, where the Chinese live and where the Aussies live. So it was a it was a melting pot, and I was like, oh, cool. And then they had an Ikea by the freeway, which kind of reminds me of home. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, man, it's like a melting pot. I was like, that's really cool. Uh, and then me and my buddies were like, dude, we're just going to get fucked up. And I, oh, yeah, he was like, gum gum's illegal he's like and it's really clean out there mm-hmm. i was like it's neat and i remember dude freaking we just got really thrashed and i was just 151 we're just doing shots of 151 just just hammered just getting hammered and i started getting sick and shore patrol was coming uh. dude and i remember like we're waiting for our cabs because we had cinderella liberty liberty so what that means is you have to be back on ship by midnight no ifs, ands, or buts. So it's like around 10. So we're lining up for the cabs and everything. And I remember I, was, I started getting woozy. And I'm like, oh, dude. Uh-oh. And my friend's like, dude, do not fucking throw up, man. He's like, do not throw up. Do not throw up. He's like, dude, you're going to go to jail. You're going to get whipped, dude. He's mm-hmm. like, you already know. And I was like, dude, I can't. So I just started. Bruh. 
I just oh. started puking, dude. And Shore Patrol was coming. And luckily, and the, I, I, I heard about it the next day. But, we're, you know, there's a line. And one of the Navy guys in front of in the line in front of us, he's like, dude, just take our cab. He's like, get the fuck out of here. Whoa. So I got thrown in the cab. And then so did he. And, like, we all just took off. And he, I, uh, my buddy was like, yeah, dude. That dude was like, don't ever say Navy never did anything for you. <laughs> like, you bastards. <laughs> Motherfucker. Well played. <laughs> yeah, dude. But, no, nah, he was cool, man. Like, dude, I, I, I would have gotten, like, really yeah. fucked on that, man. Yeah. I would have gotten really fucked on that because I just threw up on the street. Because if you smoke a cigarette and you ash and, like, a, say anything like that, anything fucking kind of literally that will fucking get you. Yeah, so, bam, that was that. And then after that, we went to Hong Kong. Oh, and then what was neat about our deployment there was it was, I think it was the 50th anniversary or the 60th, I can't remember, of the Incheon landing mm. in Korea. So some of the guys on the ship, they went to uh, some, some uh, I don't remember which ship went, but they ended up doing a reenactment in South Korea. So some of the guys got to go to Korea and they did a reenactment oh, of the wow. Incheon landing mm. with, with Korean forces and stuff like that. So that was neat. I didn't, I didn't do that, but, um, and then their, their ship had a hole. So they got to stay in Korea for like two more weeks. Oh, shit. So they were like having a good time in Korea. Uh, we went to Hong Kong in November. I don't think it was. So what was crazy about Hong Kong was they didn't let us port in their in their harbor because mm-hmm. the Chinese government was really like not about it. Mm-hmm. So what we'd have to do is we'd have to anchor off off the shore and they'd have ferries come pick us up. So basically, again, 10 o'clock. You're, you better wrap it up because mm-hmm. it's going to take a while to get back on the ship because they got ferries taking us back. So, yeah, that was that. Um, Hong Kong and then back to Oki for the holidays. But when we got back to Okinawa around that time, North Korea started acting up. And because we were the, we were the uh, infantry unit in the area, that was our AO. Mm-hmm. They were, it was, I don't know if you remember, this was in 2010, they did some, like, artillery strike in South Korea, mm-hmm. and it landed, I don't, I don't know, if, I don't remember if anyone got killed, or if anyone got hurt, but it was, it was like just, a threat, right, it was yeah, more it was, of that, like, uh, I think I remember, yeah, it was, a, it was, a, it was on the news, and they were like, hey, you, you know, we're on standby, mm-hmm. you know, you guys are gonna get ready to go, because, we you know, we're the, we're the unit in the area, and they're like, don't unpack the ship completely, like, don't unpack everything yet, like, because we might have to go back, Thankfully, nothing happened. You know, everything died down. Uh, spent the holidays in uh, Okinawa. I sp- you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. And then I got home January 7th of 2011. So in my first year of the Marine Corps, I went to boot camp, combat training, MOS school, my first deployment. And all over the world. <laughs> all, yeah, just boom, first mm-hmm. deployment. And then did the work up for, uh, we got back, and they were like, hey, we're going to Afghanistan start training uh after that i so again i was ship's company so i was just working for the ship you know i wasn't really attached to my platoon like i would just see my guys and i'd be like hey you know mm-hmm. um but i hadn't gotten training in my as, as a, in my job as a radio operator so they had this thing called wti which is called weapons training integrated it's in arizona uh yuma proving grounds an army base mm-hmm. and what it is is it's for pilots that uh, just graduated flight school, but don't have, they don't have experience in, um, it's kind of like they, I guess from what I understand is they just did like a bunch of VR, mm-hmm. like, and they have, have never actually flown with people in the back. So in a sense we're, they're guinea pigs. Mm-hmm. And I actually volunteered to go to that. It was like six weeks 
And because I had gotten to know a lot of the guys, like there were grunts in combat cargo. We called it combat cargo. So we'd offload the ship and we'd unload the ship. So right. I got to know a lot of the grunts and I got along with them and I was a pogue, you know, personnel other than grunt. We get made fun of all the time. <laughs> You know, I, it didn't bother me because I got to know him, and I was like, you know what? It is what it is. We're all together, you know. Yeah, everybody talks shit in the military yeah, dude. to everybody. Yeah, <laughs> dude. That was just one thing. It's like you got to learn to have thick yeah. skin, man, because yeah. you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna make it. Um. So weapons training integrated was there, and I was like, cool. I actually learned my job, and uh, we were working alongside the Canadians. So that's why I have the Canadian Army jacket because I. He got shit faced, and I was like, "He's like, hey, I like your hat." And I was like, "I like your jacket." He's like, "We'll trade." And I was like, "For sure." <laughs> <laughs> so I have a fleece, um, but no, it was cool because I worked with the Canadians, and I think on top of that, and seeing like militaries around the world, I understand. I understand, and it's those little differences that that you see in our military compared to the others around the world. That that's what really makes the game winners. Like that's why we are we are who we are. We're the most strongest, you know force on the planet i'll give you an example so when we were training with the canadians they went on a hike and in the marines when you drop your rifle you're pushing mm-hmm. you're, you're doing push-ups yeah. like no ifs ands or buts you're, you're fucked mm-hmm. so the canadians come back from a hike and this dude just like he john cena's his 240 machine gun and just literally he's like oh, i'm fucking tired bam drops it and me and my buddy look at each other like what no one said anything yeah. no one said anything and then on top of that, uh, we went we went on a we went on a training mission with them. Can't remember what it was, but we're with the Canadians. I was with the Colonel or their CO, and so was my buddy Baker. So we we're they they wanted to see how we did things as radio operators. So we got attached to their uh, their CO, and we flew out in the middle of nowhere in Yuma at night. And they're like, "All right, we're gonna bivouac, so it's time for bed." Mm-hmm. Usually in the Marines, you have fire watch, you know, like someone's got to be up to make sure everyone's, you know, we're, like, supposed, we're supposed to be safety reasons. You know, we don't get jumped in the middle of the night. None of that. Canadians didn't do it. Hmm. They didn't do it. And we had as radio operators, we have like crypto, you know, which is like sensitive material. You know, it's so me and my buddy just ended up doing our own fire watch because we're like, dude, we can't do this, man. Like, you know, we're in the middle of nowhere. Like, yeah, it's we're in America, but you never know yeah you know mm-hmm. and so you see little things like that and you're just like damn okay you know and those are the real difference makers man mm-hmm. you know um that was also the first time i ever got to ride in a helicopter and it just became my first time we almost crashed i was I, we almost crashed uh again it was a junior pilot he was freaking out and he almost hit the side of a mountain and i had the radio and he's just like, dude, you're about to hit. Every like the lieutenant across across from me who has the same, we're all in the same freak. He was like, hold on, and like we hit turbulence, but we're good. It was oh, just kind of like, yeah, yeah. but you, but the fact that like, so none of the guys could hear it. Only me, the lieutenant across, and the pilots in the cockpit could hear it. Yeah. Uh, other than that, nobody knew. So I'm like, fuck. And then after like two weeks later, I was just going out every week. Hmm. It was fun. It was fun. Also got to drop a mortar. That was That's that was awesome. <laughs> dude. That was fun because I actually got to know a lot of the dudes from uh, 81s. They they called themselves 80 bums and mm-hmm. then in Afghanistan their uh, their call sign became a lead farmer. You know where they got that from, right? No. Tropic Thunder. 
when Robert Downey Jr. goes, I'm a lead farmer, motherfucker. <laughs> so that was their platoon. That was their platoon. Uh, that was their platoon's call sign. They're their lead farmer, you know? Yeah. It was hilarious. fucking awesome, dude. Those dudes are awesome. Um, and that was the first time I got a taste of what it was like to, like, serve alongside the infantry. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't treat me any different. Like, I was just like, yeah, I was kind of, like, just getting to learn. Mm-hmm. But... I was just, I was a boot still in a lot of their eyes because a lot of their senior leadership had been to Iraq. Mm-hmm. I hadn't been to Iraq. They called us Mew babies because we got, we went on the Mew. Yeah, it was a deployment, but mm-hmm. to them in the infantry, it's not a real deployment, quote, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I had a little bit, but it was cool. Uh, I got, Some of the guys that I was on ship's company with were there. And then I um I got the name Slewberry or Slewbear. You know, that was my thing, Slewberry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to drop a mortar uh i got to see how mortars worked so they'd have an fo out there and then he would he would side in and do his thing he'd call the coordinates back to the fdc and then they would you know mortarmen are are the guys that know math mm-hmm. so in the yeah. fdc they're like using projectors you know and it, protractors i'm sorry protractors mm-hmm. they're using protractors and then they're like figuring it out and i'm on the radio and i'm calling it out and then they call it out to the gun line and then the guns adjust and boom they shoot mm-hmm so for me, the last thing I got to do with them was, they're like, you want to drop a mortar? And I was like, fuck yeah, I do. I want to drop a mortar. That's cool. And then um, they're <laughs> like, all right, you got to go to each gun. And each gun leader is going to make you do something. They're either going to ask you a question on knowledge, like about the mortar, or they're going to make you do whatever. And if they sign off the round, then you bring it back to pl- platoon sergeant. He signs off the round. Bring it to the platoon commander. He signs off the round. Then you can drop it. I was like, cool. So they did. But one of the guns made me do uh, Barbie Girl. I had to dance Barbie Girl and sing <laughs> it <laughs> until they were like cool with it. So I did that for about a minute or two. And they signed off on it. And that was that, man. So that was fun, dude. That was one of the best times I had, man. Um, so, it, you know, expectations. I'll get into it with expectations. So I got back from there. And expectations that I had getting into going into the Marine Corps was, you know, I thought everyone was going to be like it was in the movies. You know, everyone's locked on. You know, everyone's like good to go. Right. You know, everyone has integrity. Everyone has, you know, everyone holds themselves to a certain standard. And then you get in there and you're like, oh, shit. You know, the idea of it is perfect, but we're all human at the end of the day. Um, so when I came back from that, one of the guys that I deployed with, him and another guy, they robbed a liquor store in Palm Springs mm. and their dumbasses robbed it with all their stuff on like their military gear. So they weren't their hard to tags. find. <laughs> yeah. They're like, yeah, dude. And like for $400 and some liquor and one guy did 13 years. The other guy did 11. Um, the one, the reason why the guy got 13 is cause his gun was loaded, you know? And then on top of that, one of the guys that used to fuck with us the most he ended up sleeping with another sergeant's wife, and then he got busted all the way down to private. And that's against the law in the military. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what was awesome was that my friend Julio, the guy I went to see in Oregon, had just picked up corporal. So he just started fucking with him for us because uh, it was like the roll, the tables had right, turned. Uh-huh. And then he was he was getting threatened so bad because everyone hated him Yeah. that he ended up changing units. He ended up changing. And then we heard somewhere down the road that he did that again. Mm. He did that again. So, you know, there was that. And then um, a year later, we, we did more of the work up. Uh, a lot of, lot of going to the field, man. 
like a lot of going to the field, a lot of a lot, a lot of going to the field. Oh, so they picked up they picked up a lot of radio. So before going uh, to Afghanistan and like actually starting the heavy the heavy training, they they started picking radio operators for the companies. So I was an H and S company, and uh, they started picking radio operators. So one senior radio operator and one junior radio operator would go. But the problem is, is that we all got we all got promoted because we had a low cutting score. We all got promoted to corporal. So it was really came down to like how much you know your job. Mm-hmm. Well, it came volunteers as well who got to go to the companies and get actually attached to the infantry units or the companies and then platoons and so on and so forth. Um, so it was funny. They would send one, one turd. One guy was a turd. The other dude was good to go. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I had WTI and all that. And I was just like, man, I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm good enough. Cause a lot of, a lot of like, everyone's like, why don't you go? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm good enough, you know? And Afghanistan came around and that's what it was just kind of like, damn. So Afghanistan was a, was a, was a trip for me. I, I deployed to Sangin, Afghanistan and a little history about where I went was the Brits initially had it. Mm-hmm. And then they were, in short, they were getting fucked up. So eventually, they turned it over to the Marines, us. Mm-hmm. And then it became RAO, the Marine Corps. And when I was in Japan, uh, 3-5 was there. And that was a really, they took a lot of casualties. I heard something like, at the time, I heard they took 60% casualties. It got to the point where, like, cooks were going on patrols. Um, and the reason why it was so, it's so bad out there is that's where all the heroin, all the poppy fields are at and all the weeds at and stuff like that. Um, I have a funny story about weed (laughs) out there, but you know, they, and we were there during the summer. So it was during fighting season. So they had just, they, they harvest in the spring, the Taliban, they'll harvest in the spring and then they'll, you know, they'll make all their money and they'll, they'll fight in the summer. Mm -hmm. We were there from, I deployed in February and I got back in October I remember right so we were there for the, the harvest the, all that um so for me Afghanistan was it was you know it was we're on the Mew and a lot of Marines I was talking to were like dude I like I want to go you know that's what I joined for I want to go to a combat zone you mm-hmm. know that's what I joined for and it was when it was time to go, it was like, well, this is it. And I, you know, I, I always tell people I don't regret anything. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I, in a lot of ways, I got the best of both worlds. You know, I, I joined what I initially joined for mm-hmm. and I got to see the world. Mm-hmm. I got lucky in that, but, um, Oh, my bad. Very my, good. Okay. Um, so what it came down to, like, not being good enough professionally, I learned that that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. I learned that that wasn't true. There were three times that I, when I was over there that I should have been somewhere, and I wasn't. And it ended up turning into some really bad shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, of the, one of the radio operators in Charlie Company which I got to know a lot of the guys because of WTI and being on ship with some of them. One of them wasn't cutting it. You know, he, he wasn't cutting. He was a short dude. He was just, 
he just he just wanted to do it just to do it but he didn't really know his job mm-hmm. and you know the last thing you want to be yeah i think that's why they emphasize it so much at boot camp is you don't want to be a blue falcon a buddy fucker you know like getting you know you fuck someone over you fuck up in boot camp it's it's push-ups you know but in a combat zone you fuck up that's someone's life mm-hmm. you know and and a part of me was afraid that you know i was like well what if i fuck up and i don't i don't measure up mm-hmm. so they requested me <laughs> and i was like what now like, yeah we want slew i was like man and i was like you know do i take it and i was like well i didn't really have a choice <laughs> you know what i mean like right. but it was just kind of like am i good enough and then, you know, they ended up keeping him. They're like, you know, we're going to give him another shot. We're going to keep him. Because they had two. But the the, ju- the junior one wasn't cutting it. They had two. A few weeks later, so we took our first casualties mm-hmm. on a patrol at night. I wasn't there, you know. But the radio operator, I believe that, that I was supposed to replace, was there. Mm-hmm. Um, then the second time, 81s. The, their radio operator more he what he did was um <laughs> he didn't fuck up but he did something kind of dumb so we had to shit in bags called wag bags mm-hmm. and you're in the humver they're they're in, not the humvee sorry we're in mrap so it's, it sits higher uh the bottom is shaped like a v mm-hmm. so when you you know ieds they're supposed to blow out it doesn't shoot through like the old hummers mm-hmm. but all the windows are closed right and the only air you coming through is a turret. Apparently, he took a shit in the back, and the lieutenant was in the truck. <laughs> so uh-huh. they're really pissed off at him. Right. And they came to the shop, and I was actually on guard. I was doing guard post. I was standing post, and they were like, "Hey, who do you got? Because we're looking to get rid of more." And they're like, "Oh, we got Slew." And they're like, "Oh, Slewberry." Remember, I went with them to WTI, the Canadians and stuff. And they're like, "We'll take Slewberry. We'll take him." And then. Next thing you know, I get a call on the radio. They're like, hey, when you're off post, pack your shit. You're going with 81s. Uh, there's a mission tomorrow. They're pulling a truck out of the wadi. Got stuck. They're going to pull the truck, and you're going to provide security. And I was like, okay, good to go. And I was like, cool. I actually know those guys. And I was like, awesome. Like, you know, and I was talking to the platoon sergeant. He's like, yeah, you know, we're leaving. We're rolling out at this time, blah, blah, blah. I get there. I'm ready to roll out. They're like, now nah, we're just going to take more. That ended up turning out to be like... The platoon sergeant I was talking to got shot in the leg. Bad motherfucker, though. He walked back to the... He, he walked himself to the helicopter, mm-hmm. and he flipped him off. And then he, like, got on. Um, But I didn't go. And it turned into, like, a fucking heavy-ass firefight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my sergeant was like, dude, somebody's watching over you, man. That's the second time. Mm-hmm. And then the third time, the other radio operator from another company called Dog Company... That guy, I'll just give you a short... He wasn't cutting it either. Mm-hmm. He was... Uh, he. I'll put it this way. This guy had to be told to shower on the ship. Mm-hmm. And they had to watch him shower because he was nasty guys. as fuck. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And he ended up popping on piss tests on the way out. So he just wasn't cutting it. And then my buddy was actually his senior on there. And he was like, hey, I want slew. Our first sergeant didn't like their first sergeant. Didn't happen. He's like, you know what? I'm tired of these guys fucking playing uh, fucking musical radio operators. They picked theirs before they left. That's what you're going to get. That's what you're stuck with. And then that's when we took the rest of our casualties. They went on a raid and throughout the deployment. I took the rest of their casualties. And in a lot of ways for me, that part, 
that part's really hard for me because at the time I by the second time I was like you know what I do know my job mm-hmm. you know everyone has faith in me and then on top of that my boys were on another fob we all got spread out but I got I ended up getting put in a leadership position among my peers we're all the same rank I ended up getting put on a leadership position and it was the time that I started I got my highest proficiency in conduct marks um i was just focused man i was working out a lot i was just i was locked on I'm like my sergeant i was the go-to guy he's like hey i need this done and then i just task him out you know and i was like wow dude like i'm fucking ready you know and the second time it was just like wow okay i do know my job stop doubting yourself you know mm-hmm. these guys wanted you you know they wanted you and it was that's where like it was a sense of powerlessness for me was and there was guilt there's guilt there's guilt for me because it's like i wanted to be there and i wanted to do it but it was out of my control it really was like it was just out of my control like what can i do right Mm -hmm. you know the higher the powers above me said no you can't do it you're not going Mm -hmm. i can't say it you know i'm just a corporal you know so that's that's one side of it now another thing too that i'll talk about when it comes to adjusting but i just wanted to bring it up is uh post so on top of like being a radio operator and being in the coc the you know the combat operations center being on you know manning the radio we had to stand post because rumor had it we call it the lance corporal underground but lower enlisted they always come up with these rumors the rumor mill if you will mm-hmm. they had it that we were supposed to deploy with 1200 guys but we only deployed with 900 I don't know if those numbers are accurate, but we were definitely, I feel like we were definitely short on guys mm-hmm. in the sense that not every post was manned. And usually the posts are supposed to be two man. But the only post that was two man was the front one, the ECP, the entry control point. Everything else was one was, was one man. And it was every other one. We had ghost posts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're spread thin. Mm-hmm. Another situation that happened was... Um, I was on a post by the motor pool and we had these things called ECMs and what they do is they jam uh they jam radio signals so that so the IEDs that they're trying to control like that they're trying to detonate you know via cell phone or via radio frequency jams it but at the at the same time it jams our comms mm-hmm. so somebody left it on in the truck behind my post and the post next to us was this guy named Sizemore and his his post was over, like, so, sorry, dude, I'm just kind of, um, so his, his post, so our FOB, they call it Ford Operating Base, was in an elevated position over a village, and, uh, I think for me, I'll get to that in a minute, for me, uh, I had post from midnight to, I believe, four in the morning, and then it would be four on, and then eight off, and then on top of that, we're doing, like, radio watch in between, so, I had it from midnight to four in the morning, and then I had it from noon to four in the afternoon. And then, um, so this was the night shift, it was at midnight to four. And the first, the first few days, like you trip out because they have, they have Muslim prayers, you know, Muslims pray five, five times a day mm-hmm. and they'll have these loudspeakers and there's no electricity. There's no light. That's why like when a full moon would happen, the NVGs were, were, were money. You know, any sites were money because they work off of ambient light. 
so just light the light light everything up you can see it so there's no electricity it's dark and then you hear the prayers come on and you're like oh shit are we about to get overrun mm-hmm. you start freaking out so uh it was already you know we were already kind of used to it They're like hey don't worry about it you know comes through but when you're walking to the post you kind of realize you're like man this is a far it's like a five minute walk mm-hmm. and like for me i would think you know I, I would think i'm like man you know if shit really goes down how long is it going to take for help to come mm-hmm. you know you're like dude how long is it going to take because five minutes is a long time three minutes is long minutes yeah, a long time minutes a long time, minutes a long time. Mm-hmm. you start thinking that and i was like fuck dude this is not good so i'm on the farthest one it takes like five minutes to walk there um the guy size more he's he's in the post next to next to mine and he starts taking contact so this dude just starts taking pop shots at him with an ak in front the problem is is i can see the pop shots shooting over over his over his post Mm -hmm. but i can't see the guy positive id i have no there's a ridge in the way Mm-hmm. on top of that i can only hear him the coc doesn't know what's going on mm-hmm. so i'm like you know he's just like he's like i'm taking fire you know like he's freaking out mm-hmm. and he's not returning fire at this point he's not returning fire and i can't see i can't help him turns out one of the trucks behind us the motor pool left the ecms on so what we had to do was we had to relay because there's no time to go in the back. Well, one, you can't leave your post. Two, mm-hmm. there's no time to like go and try to figure out which one has it on. Mm-hmm. So he's relaying it to me. I'm relaying it to the next post and on and on and on. Then my boy White comes down, then gets on the 240 machine gun, lays it down. Those guys leave. You know, again, it was just, it was, it was another situation where I felt powerlessness. You know, I wanted to help. I wanted to help, but I couldn't, couldn't see couldn't see all i could do is relay the message mm-hmm. um and you know there's 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 you know if i'm going to be authentic there's another you know another another situation too was um for me I was going on post. This is now. Now this time it's during the day. It's during the day. Um, and it's the shift before us. ID went off. And ID went off. And it was in front of the post that I was supposed to relieve. Mm-hmm. So I'm coming on. He's coming off. And nobody knew really what was going on. Like what happened. So they were like, hey, you know, I was like, what happened? He's like, well, IED went off, but I don't really know if it was a person. It wasn't one of ours, you know, wasn't one of ours because um, there were no patrols out. Um, they're like, could have been a goat. So I'm coming on and they're like, hey, you know, just keep an eye out. You know, we don't we don't really know what it was, but we had these blimps in the sky, the PGSS blimps. So they'd have cameras. And they would rotate like really fast and take pictures and have video surveillance of the village and everything. So it turns out, what turns out to happen was, it was a kid. Mm-hmm. It was a kid that was running around. He stepped on an IED. 
and because they thought it was a goat initially Mm -hmm. and it was a kid and then and this is one of those like times that i learned a cultural lesson i guess of how things are done over there in afghanistan but it wasn't pleasant you know in the sense that it was a kid and they were like hey they called on the radio they're like the parents are going to be picking up the pieces you know so keep an eye out but don't you know don't don't basically like you know just be mindful that you know they're gonna they're not a threat mm-hmm. just letting us know mm-hmm. you know they're like it, it's a child you know and yeah you know mom's crying you know what can you do mm-hmm. you know what, what what can you do um and the it, it's just it's fucked up over there man you know it's mm-hmm. fucked up over there they have on top of that, they started doing green on blue attacks. So what green on blue attacks mean is is that basically the Afghan army who were training started shooting at Americans. So like dudes were getting popped in the gym. Not my unit, but in the area were getting popped in the gym. Mm. Oh well, backtrack. One of the cultural lessons that I learned how they do in Afghanistan is they bury the same day. So mm. later on that day, they held the ceremony for the kid, and the cemetery was on the other uh, the other side of the base faces the cemetery or if, well, there's another post that faces the cemetery i didn't stand on that post that night but it was within i think five hours so i was already off you know but that was again you know that was another situation where it's just like for me it was like at that point it didn't it was a human thing mm-hmm. you know like i was just like that's terrible i didn't i didn't really know I felt bad, mm-hmm. but I just, I was, I was like, well, I don't know. You know what I mean? I was just like, it made me kind of question things because then you got green on blue that happened later on, you know, where the Afghans started attacking us. And then the next fob that I went to, we shared it with them. So they couldn't come on our side. They couldn't come on our side without, uh, they couldn't come on our side without an escort and they couldn't be armed. Mm-hmm. because they were shooting at our guys you know they had killed uh three three marsoc operators so marsoc is our special operations guys shot three of them in the back like in our area um so it was just kind of like you know and then on top of that i don't know if you heard mm-hmm. but on top of that over there they have what they call chai boys and it's it's a trip because in afghan there's there was a story about a green beret that got burned because he kind of exposed what the Afghan what the Afghan government was like like their officials are like mm-hmm. a lot of them they have these things called chai boys so they're like these feminine looking kids and they're used as sex slaves mm-hmm. basically but at the same time those are the same guys that we're training mm-hmm. to fight the Taliban like you kind of see and it's not America so what can we say right. And you just think about that and you're just like, this is fucked up, you know? And, and again, another powerless thing. What can I do? Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, yeah, I mean, I, again, you know, I don't, 
when I tell people, you know, I'm like, I'm not Billy Badass. I didn't go over there. I'm not a hero. I didn't, you know, I mean, I went over there, but I didn't go over there and do all the things that people think. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Everything that I saw was after the fact, mm-hmm. you know, and I think for me, having friends, it makes me feel powerless because there's so much more that I wanted to do, mm-hmm. but I couldn't, mm-hmm. you know, and I had a hard time accepting that. And coming up as a kid, I was felt like everything was my fault so Mm -hmm. that would kind of play but i brought that up because it'll it'll i want to tie it into adjusting Mm -hmm. and feelings and those feelings that it brought up of powerlessness so came home october came home in october from that um and then it was like hey are you gonna get out are you going to stay in? Mm-hmm. And at the time, we had, a, I think we were 202,000 strong. And the Marine Corps is the smallest branch. And they were just like, hey, you know, like, they they were letting guys out at three years. Like, mm-hmm. they called it the VERP, early out program. Uh, I wanted to re-enlist. I didn't know, but I put in a re-enlistment package. And I was like, you know, and, you know, your first re-enlistment, they give you what you want. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, you're going to get to go where you want. They're going to give you... Because they want you to stay in. Right. I didn't... I decided not to. I decided not to. So, I ended up getting out in October. Um, I got out in October. And I was one of my last friends. I was one of the last ones to get out. So, I just watched everyone. Just kind of like when I joined. I just watched everyone leave one by one. So, I get out. Marine Corps... 2013 my grandma from my mom said she dies passed away now having 11 siblings you know my dad i watched all of them fight over all kinds of shit Mm. you know and it just fell apart it's ugly it got really ugly Mm -hmm. and in the midst of all that watching everyone that i believed I guess every, it was kind of like the start of like everything I believed in was starting to crumble. Yeah. I got out for I got out for a few reasons in the sense that I was like, you know, it's not going to be the same even if I reenlist. I'm not going to be with the same guys. I'm lonely. Um I want to go do something else, you know. I've I did the combat tour. I did the, you know, I did the I saw the world, you know. I was like, I want to go to college, do this. I was like, I want to be with my family. You know, I get out. My grandma passes away. Family's all jumbled together. Yeah, my bad. Uh, the, you know, family's just at each other's throats. You know, yeah. t- and it's split into three. It's split into three factions. Mm-hmm. And literally, I'm not even joking, two weeks after the funeral... My mom starts. My mom starts to get sick, and she gets diagnosed with lupus, mm. and she can't go to work, and she's just really weak. And then, after that, my grandma, who raised me, my her mom, who lives with us, started getting seizures, started falling, and then we couldn't afford to to have someone take care of her at home, so we had to put her in a retirement home. And you know, in Hispanic culture, that's a no go. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody does that. And and then after that. You know, uh, and, I, and I'm still, like, not, you know, I'm, I'm still not, 
So all that literally happened in a month. Mm-hmm. And I'm like not I haven't even processed like my own shit. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm just like So it just that's I think that for me was just kind of the start. And then my grandma got uh diagnosed with uh Alzheimer's, so she started forgetting mm-hmm. things. And her health just slowly started deteriorating. And then we couldn't tell her that my other grandma had passed away because her, like she'd get stressed out and we didn't want to stress her out. And that's a hard one too because it's it's sometimes it's they'll you'll they'll hear it and they go through it and then they'll ask you, "Wait, how's that person?" And you're like, "I just told you they're dead or they're dying or you know they just yeah. I, am I helping this person by telling the truth or am I it's uh, weird." Yeah, and. I think for me it was just it was hard because there was a lot of things that my mom was like you can't tell right you can't tell your grandma this mm-hmm. you can't tell your grandma that and as a kid that was the person that I would always go to when there was trouble mm-hmm. you know like I didn't again my parents would be at work all day so I would just be with my grandma all day mm-hmm. and I'd talk to her about a bunch of stuff and there's just so much that I wanted to talk about but I couldn't because I was just like I what can I do mm-hmm you know what what can i do so i think that's when it just kind of just started getting really bad for me and i uh i started i i started taking meds you know i i took zoloft mm-hmm. and uh i didn't like how it made me feel i really didn't like how it made me feel numb really numb yeah mm-hmm. i i felt like metaphorically speaking i just felt like i was just treading water man yeah you're just treading water Mm -hmm. you're not you're not you know you're not really like yeah you don't feel any pain but you don't feel any like takes away all the other ones yeah (laughs) the highs aren't high the lows aren't low yeah just cruising you know and then you know and i'm like and the reason why i brought those stories of afghanistan up is those very same feelings of powerlessness just came rushing back Mm -hmm. and i just i i crumbled man you know i i i i think your your guest was daniel hale Mm -hmm. you know i i i heard i i heard on his podcast i heard his episode you know he was talking about how you know not 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 feeling um like you don't deserve to be happy, mm-hmm. you know that 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 st- stood out to me, because that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. Like I just felt like everything around me was crumbling. You know, my friends were in another. You know, my friends were in another state. You know, some of them had their own lives, their own families. I didn't want to burden them. You know, you never, even though it's not. They say it's not. You just, someone like me, I just feel like it. I feel like I am. So I don't, I don't impose. I don't like to impose. You know, that's why I like when people are like, oh, you don't even have to ask to come in. You don't have to ask to come over. I'm yeah, like, it's still, I, yeah, I'm like, uh. Yeah, I'm still going to ask, <laughs> you know. Because um, this is also a lot, too, because you kind of go from being sort of an outcast on your own to getting this brotherhood where you have, you know, friends that have got each other's backs. Obviously, they're putting each other's lives in each other's hands, and you've got a balanced, structured, like, family system going. Then you come out of that, and that's a shock in itself. Yeah. Let alone you actually have people dying, people that don't know lupus. Lupus is fucking horrible. It's very painful. It's it gets it, when it gets aggravated. It's like flare ups, and it's just it's a it's a horrible thing to go through. And then you got to deal with people with dementia, and that's just a whole another world that nobody could prepare you for. So you're going through all these sort of things, and it's just 
those are moments where I, I broke in a very similar situation, <laughs> so I can understand where you're coming from. Yeah, it sounds like a lot. That was that was my first year trying. That's why, like, I'm not. I I don't. As far as depression, man, mm-hmm. I I don't know. And I hope I'm not saying this from a pessimistic point of view. I just don't know if it's something that can necessarily be beat. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that it's always there. It's just how you manage it. You know, if it, from what I've learned, it's how you manage it. But the black sheep of the family, my uncle, who I worked for for a while, he took me on this long adventure. And I only call it an adventure, but it was a learning experience. But he was just he was in the cannabis business, and it hadn't become legal just yet. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, dude, fuck the pills, man. Just start taking this. He's like, I got you. I don't have to pay for it. Just hit me up and I got you. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And I, mind you, before, I was a good kid in high school. Never smoked weed. You know, I didn't really drink. And I was just like, well, the Marine Corps got me into drinking. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Marine Corps got me into drinking. So, I was, drinking. yeah, I so, so I, I just, I just started smoking weed, man. And at first it was just, it helped, you know, it helped to a, to a certain degree where I was just like, okay, it, it, I, for me, I felt like it, it would slow things down for me. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Cause my mind would, a lot of times my anxiety would go through the roof and because my anxiety would go through the roof, that would later get me down. Mm-hmm. Like you can ask Josh, like when I started training Muay Thai, mm-hmm. dude, sometimes my anxiety was so bad. I would just freak out. And I would fucking leave. Mm-hmm. Like, like everyone's kicking pads and we're like, mm-hmm. I'd break down and I'd just leave, mm-hmm. you know. So whenever that would happen, I would just smoke. And then it would just slow everything down. I'm like, all right, cool. Because there were times I would be driving and all of a sudden I'm like, dude, my heart's beating faster than the car's moving. You're going to crash. Yeah, I'm going to fucking, I'm, yeah. I'm about to freak the fuck out, mm-hmm. you know. And just smoke a bowl. And then you're like, all right, cool. But now I'm still driving, <laughs> you know, which is still illegal. But, you know, I'm right. just like, all right, cool. I could drive now, you know, and eventually, dude, it just, it just, you know, they say you don't get addicted to weed. You know, I, I don't, I can't speak for everyone, mm-hmm. but I can say for me, I needed, I didn't need it to function, but I needed, I don't know if I necessarily needed it to function. Kind of like how, like when people say like alcoholics need alcohol to function, mm-hmm. um, no, I just, they were crutches, man. Mm-hmm. You know, they're crutches, and it never really let me get shit done. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, I would just, I would just smoke, mm-hmm. and I would just smoke, and then I'd just try to go to class. And with depression, man, like, the worst thing about it is, is that, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's easy. Like, just get over it, you know, yeah. just get over it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's so bad, dude. You don't even want to get out of bed, man. Mm-mm. Like, I didn't want to get out of bed. There were times I didn't want to get ba- get out of bed. I didn't want to shower. And I've never been a nasty fuck, but I just never wanted to shower. I didn't want to get out of bed. It's one of those things, too, that's, like, super frustrating because I would I had that mentality growing up the way I grew up, too, where it was just get over it or just drink a beer, deal with it that way. Yeah. But when you're, you're not dealing with anything. <laughs> it's, just, yeah. it's just building and then you get to a point where you get to be a little bit older, and all of a sudden everything fucking crashes. You know, yeah. and then you're a full blown alcoholic or you're full blown non functional, and it's just, you know, that thought process of just shake it off. It's like, no, dude, it's fucking crippling. It really is. You know. Yeah, and I I think for me a big a big life lesson for me was when I got out of the Marine Corps, I, my grandma hadn't been, uh, she hadn't passed away yet, mm-hmm. so 
I was on a high, man. I was like, man, I just did this combat deployment. I just joined the Marines. I'm just fucking, I'm out here. I'm going to go to Mount Sac and get my shit together. And I'm just going to fucking, you know, cruise on through life. Like, I just went through the hardest part of my life. Like, yeah. nothing, nothing, <laughs> right. no, nothing's going to stop me. Right. And then I would read, like, I'd read things like people, like, complaining on Facebook. Or not really complaining. At the time, I looked at it like it was complaining. Mm-hmm. But now I see it, it was just cries for help. Right. You know, people just want help, man. Yeah. And I used to think like, oh, yeah, you know, loving yourself. Yeah. What's that? Queer. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> queer, queer. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, like yeah, yeah, you know, like, well, loving yourself. Nah, man, you just fucking build a bridge and get over it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, man, I think for me, after all that shit came crashing down and then on top of that, there's more. There's always more, you know. Mm-hmm. I was just like, man, that's not true. Yeah. You know, like, I never thought, like, you know, someone would have power over me, mm-hmm. i.e. women I've dated. You know, I was like, that'll never happen to me. And then, boom, it happens. And you're like, well, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. You know, I never thought that, you know, I would get fucked up because I'd go out and I would just start getting anxious, man. I just, for some, for no, no reason, like, yeah. no reason. Like, I'm just like, what could go wrong? And I'm used to things going wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, what could go wrong? I'm like, what's going to go wrong? Everything's going right. It's supposed to be a good time. But I'm like, my mind is just like... That means something's going to fuck up soon. Yeah. I'm like, going something's going to fuck yeah. up soon. Uh-huh. And I need it to fuck up soon because I'm uncomfortable. And I would just... I would get really stoned and I'd get really fucked up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, dude, I just kind of... It's a weird thing too because as you're like having that mindset, you're so stressed that you get fucked up and then you're like, I got this. But that's actually when you're the most vulnerable. <laughs> you're all fucking drunk and you can't do shit. You yeah, know? man. Like, for me... And then what makes it worse is... I'm an emotional drunk, dude. Yeah. I'm one of those. I'm not aggressive. I don't... I don't... I... Dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you saw me, man. I was... That <laughs> fucking bad, dude. <laughs> dude. <laughs> I fucking I, bad. Dude, I, I feel you on that, man. Like, I... I I think for me, too, is just I hold a lot of shit in, man. Just the way I was raised, too. It's like you yeah. said, you know, hold yeah. it in. Hold, hold it, it in. in but and you can't. And you, I, I think I've said that with I don't know how many guests, but it's just like that mentality that like we have is like guys or culture, whatever you want to say, but it's it's going to come out. You know, it's going to come out like we watch, we see men on fucking movies that yeah. they sit there and they drink some whiskey when their fucking wife just gets murdered or something. And they're like, all right, I got this. And they yeah. go out and save the world or something. But in actuality, it's like that guy's probably going to be a violent drunk or, you know, he's going to fucking murder his brother or something. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, fuck, it's going to come out. So. And, and you know what? I think that that's, the, that's the, 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 the whole fucked up thing about it, too, is like I saw an article from – actually, I bought this shirt from them, mm-hmm. uh, OAF Nation. They're, oh, yeah, I love yeah, this shit. <laughs> dude, I love this shit, <laughs> yeah. man. You know, they posted a good article, I think, before I left for Oregon, how, how – there's a lot of toxic there's a lot of toxicity in even the veteran community mm-hmm. you know it's like guys go through this shit a lot like I, I i made a few friends and i just started talking to them to them and it's just like wow i'm not alone mm-hmm. but the big thing that i notice is that a lot of dudes they don't i shouldn't say dudes i should say veterans like you know there's females as well mm-hmm. but a lot of the dudes that i inter- interacted with you know they're just like man i just don't I don't know who to go to, mm-hmm. you know, you're supposed to be this tough guy, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, it's just like, I don't know. 
You know, that's why it's like, they're like, I don't, I don't know who to go to. They feel lost. They don't Therapies, they feel trapped. Therapies for pussies. Yeah, like, exactly. You know? Therapies yeah. for f- pussies. Don't feel it. Just mm-hmm. fucking get through it. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to my friend up in Oregon, and I was like, you know, it's so much, it was it was so much, in, in a lot of ways, it was so much easier when we were in. Mm-hmm. You know, I literally had everyone around me. And a lot of things were removed from your yeah. choice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was just like, I... And, you know, they're saying how if 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 that person feels on, you know, that they're not able to approach anyone, then and they don't feel like they have another choice, then unfortunately, suicide happens. Mm-hmm. You know, like most recent being one of one of one of my kids. Not that I have kids, but <laughs> I call him a kid. He was one of my Marines. Mm-hmm. The name was Lance Corporal Winkler. A lot of dudes resented him. A lot of dudes in my unit were like, a lot of dudes in my in my shop, my platoon, were like, this dude's a turd. Mm-hmm. He to me, and and a lot of my guys wrote him. Like when we got back, you know, we we had our combat deployment, so like we had our stripes. Like that was, you know, like hey, like we're we're salt dogs now. You know what right, I mean? Like right. we're salty now, and that, mm-hmm. you know. And then we finally got like radio boots, like guys fresh out of boot camp. So now we actually had juniors. Um. And this kid was just, you know what, man? He was just one of those kids that, he wasn't a bad kid. He was 19. He was a bad kid from Atlanta, Georgia. He's from Georgia. I don't know if he was from Atlanta. He's from Georgia. Mm-hmm. You know, wanted to get out and see the world. Military wasn't what, what he thought it was. I just don't think the mil- he was about that military life. Mm-hmm. But I always told him, hey, after work, I always told him, you feel that way about it? Do your time and get out, man. You know, mm-hmm. just do your time and get out. And that's what a lot of us did. I think out of 30 of us, I think only three of us stayed in. Everyone else got out. Right. You know, and it, it, they say the easiest thing, it's just like boot camp. The easy way to get through it, just do your time and get out, you know. But I I learned like two weeks ago that, and and, and the thing, the thing it's, it's, it's things like this that reaffirmed to me at the time was like, man, you know what? I think I did it clean. You know, I think I did it right, mm-hmm. and I didn't. You know, I didn't get. I, I I remember, I always wanted to be respected rather than just what was on my chest. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I always wanted my guys to know that I was approachable, and like I didn't have many guys. Like a lot of them were my peers in Afghanistan, but when I came back, I did my best because a lot of guys were just getting out to like drop their pack, like get the fuck out, mm-hmm. like you know. Right. But I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try and teach them, mentor them. And this kid Winkler with my roommate, he would come and visit sometimes, and he'd be like, "Hey, I need some advice. I just want to talk." And he's a PFC, you know, mm-hmm. private, you know, and we're corporals. My roommate's about to pick up sergeant, you know, so you know they look to him. And this kid calls me, like three months after I get out. Like I'm not even a marine anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm out, and he's like, "Hey, can you talk?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I could talk." He's like, life sucks. Like, you know, things are going bad. And I was actually on a date and I was like, you know what? I'll make time. And I'll make time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'll make time. And I made time and he seemed all right at the time. And where I, I feel like I failed as a leader was I didn't follow through and check up on him. And unfortunately, I found out a few days ago that, or a few weeks ago that he, he had committed suicide, but this was back in 2017. Mm-hmm. But they said that he shut everyone down. And I remember one of the last things that he did was he was having problems with his wife. I think his, like, and he had a kid. And he, his wife threw a boulder at his car. 
He got out of the car. She kept throwing rocks at him. Did a double leg takedown on her. Military police saw it. And then I was like, man. And then we get in trouble for that, even though we have nothing to do with it. So a lot of guys resented him for that, you know. But I was just like, man, this kid's just got problems. He needs help. Like, I kind of saw it more in the... I was like, you know what? If these guys are all going to be that fatherly role, that big brotherly role, I'm going to be the more, like, motherly role, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it sounds weird, but I was yeah. just like, you know, he needs... I was like, he, I think he just needs a little guidance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He needs... You can't, you know... But, yeah. It's one of those things, too, like, I think in the military or any job you have, say you're in an office and... Greg doesn't fucking fill the cooler every Wednesday when he's supposed to. And everyone's like, fucking Greg. It's fucking motherfucker. Because yeah. that's, that's your world. You know yeah. what I mean? And the guy that can't march, I used to kick the fuck out of his heels. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> like was... this fucking asshole. But it's really not that big of a deal. But at the time, like, that's your world. So if you're chilling and it's a bunch of dudes together and you're just, all you have is work. And then this guy's fucking around or fucking up. Or maybe he's not up to code. It's like. It's just our instinct to be like this motherfucker, and that's you know what happens unfortunately a lot of times. Yeah, man, it, it's even now, even now, mm. like even now, like one of the biggest things I remember I was saying I I got caught saying this at like Target or some shit. I was just like, I was like, man, there's no fucking sense of urgency in these motherfuckers, yeah. and I was saying it <laughs> under my breath because people walk slow as shit at Target, right? You know, and I was just like, there's no fucking. And it's just, you know, that, it's, it's weird, man. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I know I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not even there yet, you know, to yeah, be honest it, with you, man. Like, it's, it's one of those things too. It's like sort of greener on the other side, right? Like you're in the military, like I just want to get out. And then when you get out, you're like, I just want to get back in. That's why I was just telling you how I was thinking about reenlisting, you know, cause I'm about to hit my age thing. It's like, cause life is fucking hard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I mean, I would, you know, it's like, I don't even, sometimes like I'm hesitant to even talk about like my life after the military because I'm just like, dude, I can't even like, I can't even, you know, I mean, there comes a point where that's what, that's what for me, I'd say therapy was like, uh, it's been a big saving grace. Same here. You know, like I get, and I have, I have a female therapist. And the funny thing about her is that she was one of those like <laughs> I don't know why, but I, I love her to death. But she's she's an older woman. She's a she was a hippie back in the sixties. Like she'd lay down in front of the trucks. Like she was like she was about her shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she was one of those. And like now she volunteers her time to help veterans. You know, like uh, so you know. And I'm one of her one of her clients. But I don't you know. Again, she volunteers her time, and she's um. She works for the courts. She works for the San Bernardino courts. Uh, she works in the child custody. Like mm-hmm. so, she does a lot of those cases and um, the uh, divorce child, course. The like child all, welfare. Yeah, child welfare. Like yeah, yeah. She's a so, yeah. She's a yeah. social worker there. Okay. So, right. and then on her volunteer time, she volunteers her time to veterans. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, her like having that and then having her viewpoint on that is just it's helped me get in touch with a lot of my feelings and why I feel a certain way about a lot of things. In a lot of ways, I feel like a lot of Marine Corps experiences exacerbated a lot of childhood traumas that I never knew I had. Right. I never thought I was just like, man, I never thought that I would like, why do I think of myself this way? Like, why do I think this way? Mm -hmm. You know? 
and then it's just like oh wow okay like why do i compare myself to everyone yeah in a time like this with social media and anything like why do i always get like one of the biggest things for me is like why do i compare myself like why mm-hmm. and i'm like man i don't know i'm like mm-hmm. in the marine corps it's like that's that marine corps is one of the most shallow branches like they're like if you're fat you will get picked on you will get you'll be the black sheep and everyone's got to look sharp you got to look sharper than the next guy mm-hmm. and everything and it's like you know policing your own you know you you make you know you're looking you're always you know but me it it goes all the way back to my childhood well especially to um how, how you're saying uh shit i lost my train of thought but um yeah i don't i just uh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, I'll, I'll no, my bad, dude. Uh, getting back to, let's see. We were talking about getting back to yourself. Well, you know what? Sorry, this is what okay. I was thinking is when you were cool. saying, um, you know, why, like, why do I think this and why do I think that? And I, like I said at the very beginning of the podcast, when you're like, oh, I have a tendency to do this and, and figure out why I do things, I was like, that's a good trait to have. Because I don't know how many people I talk to, military, ex-military, um, just regular civilians, you know, people, addicts, all, everybody, everybody. Yeah, there's so 95% of people are like, that's how it is. I'm like, that's how it is, but it doesn't have to keep being that way. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you try to suggest forms of help or forms of, and I, like I had <laughs> this one friend of mine was, oh, this is happening. Da, da, da. You know, wait, why don't you talk to a therapist or something? Because obviously I have a point of bias. I'm coming from your friend, someone that cares about you. So whatever I say is going to hold weight towards your well-being. Or if, it, you know, if it's your parent, they're going to say something biased towards your well-being not like fuck your career fuck your wife this is about you that sort of thing so i say it and i'm not an addict i was like it has nothing to do with that <laughs> i'm not talking about them like you need to figure out why you've been so fucking unhappy for so long and how to stop repeating those patterns because that's what we do right mm-hmm. i think but you know the the biggest challenge with that i think has has a and i agree completely mm-hmm. i agree with you the biggest challenge with that comes with that is being honest with yourself, man. That's an ugly thing sometimes. <laughs> a lot of thing that people don't want to look at a lot. Oh, no. Yeah. No. You know, like I, that's my whole thing. I'm just like, I, me and, me and, a, me and a good friend of mine were talking one time and he's just like, he's really big on, he's actually the guy that got me into being honest with yourself. You know, he's just like, look, man, he's like, the more honest you are with yourself, the less you care what people think. Mm-hmm. And that just, to me, I'm like, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Like, the more honest you are with yourself, the less you care what people think. If you know you're a certain way, then and you and you work on accepting that you're a certain way, you can either change it, or you or if it's a good thing, then you keep it. But you don't care. Like that 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 pulls a lot of that power away from like how you're saying with social media. That was like another point I was trying to get to. It's like, oh, this is person has been here for this long, and we're the best friends, and we're. The, and I'm like, my relationship's fucking rough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but then you start to see those posts and you start to see people's like for, sort of fake lives that they try to put out there. And it just you're just like, well, maybe it's like that. But, you know, I know my life is fucking rough. And I always think of the Jerry Seinfeld special. Where he did his new comedy. He's not really my, my favorite comedian, but he's like, my life sucks. He's like, your guy's life sucks, too. Mine might suck a little bit less, but mine still sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, dude, it's fucking hard, man. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I'll give you an example. When I was working for my uncle, he had this friend that detailed uh, cars mm-hmm. in, uh, like, at a, uh, he detailed exotic cars, I should say. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's about 35, so a little older than me. You know, he, had his, he has an Instagram. 
and he would take pictures in these exotic cars that yeah, he was detailing. Yeah, that a boy. <laughs> and he would just hashtag like, yo, it cost to be the boss, like all kinds of shit. And like girls would just be like, yo, what up? But he drove like a Honda Accord like yeah. me, you know? And like, dude, I was just crack up. And I'm like, did you ever get a second day? He's like, nah, man. And I'm like, well, no shit, dude. Like, you know, like what the fuck, man? Um, but I, I think that that's another thing that's been really hard for me is, as uh, in a way, I just feel like social media, like, since I've been back, since I've been home, I'm just like, dude. And you call me a hater, you call it whatever you want, man, just because I don't know how to do it like everyone else does, I guess. Or not a market or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But it feels like high school all over again. Oh, it is. It, yeah. it, it just feels like high school. Like, who's got more likes? Who's got more of this? Who's got more of that? Mm-hmm. You know? And it's just like, fuck, man. Like, where are the genuine connections? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, well, I think it, too. I think a natural instinct for... Well, it is a normal instinct. It's to shit on each other. That's just something that is human instinct. Oh, well, that guy's not this. Because it's a lot harder to be positive for somebody else. Like, when you reached out, I know you're saying that you have some regrets about... Um, unfortunately your buddy that committed suicide but the fact that you took the time out to to think about his situation be like he already has this coming at him you know people doing this and doing this i'm gonna try to come at him for a different way the fact that you're taking those extra you know minutes days whatever it is to be like how do i approach this guy to make him feel better that's something that's going outside of the human norm and when you do things like that it's a lot harder for you to do but in i think that's what people relate to and I could tell off the bat, getting to know you for a few months, um, you know, when I first met you, I was like, that guy's a good guy. Because one, I was a fucking maniac, you know? <laughs> I don't think there's many people that could stand to hang around me, let alone have a conversation. You, you always, had the mohawk. Yeah. You had the mohawk when I met you, yeah. Me. Yeah, and it was just more of, we would still have normal conversations and stuff like that, and then I would go shit off the walls or something. But it's just, uh, you know, you take that time to, to what's going on with this guy, rather than getting shit at face value, which is hard to do, because it's exhausting to go around those things it's exhausting to be like okay how is this positive and and you know if this guy's doing great does it really bother me no not really okay that's good you know what good job bro that that shit's hard to do yeah and i think on the other end of the spectrum of that i think that that's why like some people if you're just too negative they'll bounce dude yeah it's exhausting it's exhausting. It's yeah, exhausting. yeah yeah it's exhausting <laughs> yeah. to just bounce you know yeah. and, and i can honestly say like i've been when i was in my lows I think that's why, like, yeah, you know, a part of me gets upset. I get disappointed, you know, when I think about it. But at the same time, it's like, I can understand that. You know, I right. was, I was, I was not, and I'm not the same person I used to be. Like, that's, that's also definitely it's true. Huge, right? You know, I'm not the same person I used to be. Um, are there, are there bridges that I wish I didn't burn? Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. Like, I miss those people, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm just like, but I don't, you know, like, well, I think I think actions speak a lot stronger than words, and I think you genuinely know. Like, have I done things to go out of my way to be a better person? Like I have, and like I don't make excuses for my behavior, but I'm like, that's not me anymore. You know, and I genuinely could say that with um, some fucking ease. And I think a lot of people that um, it's just fucking hard to do. You know, and obviously you've done it because you're saying all these things. You know, I did this and I did that, and it's like, yeah, that's like work that needs to be done. You know. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, sorry. I, 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 again, this is one of my this is one of my negative traits. I, I never know how to take a compliment. 
I don't need that. I like, start talking about something else. Right? Me too. So I was like, oh, this guy fighting, you know, or this guy's yeah. a comedian. And I'm like, hey, anyway, did you guys, and I feel like an asshole because I just ignored them, but I'm also like, I don't know what to do right now. Right. So, like, <laughs> my grandma would always just be like, just say thank you. And I'm like, okay. And then people are like, all right, you know, but thank you. I, yeah. I, no, no, I, I <laughs> no, um, oh, I lost my train of thought too. But what I was going to say was, I think that. being you know and that's another thing too i guess for me uh since i lost my train of thought oh come back sobriety mm-hmm. sobriety so you know if you ever seen me at some of the fights like people would be like yo dude don't let crew see you man don't let crew walter see you man because mm. i remember one time we went to mexico it was for Josh's fight. <laughs> That's Did, a great were you there? Tell a story. Were you there? No, that one, I, I forgot what happened, but I, I wasn't at that oh one. Oh, my God. So we're, we're going. I'm not going to name any names. Mm-hmm. But we're going across the border. We're walking across. And somebody gave me an edible. Ugh. Like a fucking, like the whole thing. And I ate the whole thing. I wasn't supposed to. I ate the whole thing. And then I teach a child, don't eat those, man. <laughs> yeah, dude. And then I ate, I ate a more, I ate more of those like freaking, they had more than I ate more and we're walking across and hadn't hit me yet. I started feeling a little funky. I'm not going to lie. I'll say this. I'm not going to lie. Even though I'm, I'm a lot calmer, you know, I'm a lot, I can't deny that I've, I've had some really good ass times too, man. Oh yeah. Of course. Like, yeah. like I've had mm-hmm. some, I've had some amazing times. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is one of them, but, but <laughs> you know, like it was. <laughs> we're walking across and TSA has the dog mm-hmm. and he starts acting up and I'm like, Oh shit. Mm-hmm. So I start tripping out, but it hasn't hit me yet. I was like, Oh no, I ate the thing. Like, how could he tell? And then we get across and then, uh, one of the guys, he doesn't, he has, he doesn't have his glasses and he can't read and he doesn't, he, he can't read without his glasses and he doesn't speak Spanish. So I'm trying to help him out and it starts hitting me and I'm like, Oh man, <laughs> I'm fucking. And then I see the soldier, the guard guy, whatever he, he changes post and I'm like, Oh man. And they're talking They're onto us. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, they're onto us. So yeah. I started thinking like the worst things, man. And then finally we got across. And it was the it was the weekend that Canelo and uh, yeah. Chavez Jr. fought. Mm-hmm. So and then Josh is like his fight hadn't been ready yet, and I get to the hotel and everyone everyone's just like, dude, are your eyes even open? And I'm like, oh bro, like, and yeah. like dude, have a Red Bull. So I had like two, didn't help. Yeah. I was so faded, dude. I was so faded. I ended up being faded for like twelve hours. Mm-hmm. Long story short, you know, it's like that and then vegas i lost all my freaking i never lost my stuff in vegas but the last time i went to vegas i lost everything i mean i found everything but i lost everything right and they found me on the strip just walking no destination just jolly and you know i think for me i hit a certain point because a lot of things for me is i have an addictive personality i've come to realize you know whether it's like even with working out like, I just start, I'm like, boom, I get on this train and I'm like, you know, go. For me, I, you know, for me, it was New Year's. So before the lockdown and everything, before the lockdown, I was just like, I felt like, best way I could put it, like Lieutenant Dan on New Year's. I was around a bunch of people, but I was like, dude, I'm fucking miserable, man. Right. He's this just is celebrating, he's just looking down. Yeah, yeah, I'm just like, dude, I'm fucking miserable. This fucking sucks. Why do I feel this way? 
and I had therapy the next day, so I saw my therapist, and I was like, I think I'm done, you know, I think I'm done drinking, I think I'm done smoking, and she's like, oh, why, and then I told her what happened, and she's like, I think it's a good idea, and she used to always tell me, she's like, I think you're addicted to weed. And I'm like, you can't get addicted to weed. I'm like, no, the devil's lettuce? Those no are, way. Those are in deer ads. That's not real. Yeah, I was like, that's not real. Like, you know, and then, and then it's just like, man. And then when shit really happens, you've got to like, I didn't have any. It's like a life. It's like swimming without a life jacket. Yeah, 100%. It's like swimming without a life jacket. Like, you just don't, you know, you just, you got to face it. And then it takes a lot of like self-honesty. And I think for me, because when I would smoke to escape like my feelings or like anything I felt, like like your friend Daniel was saying, mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't deserve to be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, like it it got to the point where everything that I've just talked about on the podcast almost seems like it never even fucking happened. Mm-hmm. Like I was just so disconnected from my past. I was so disconnected. like only about the bad stuff Mm -hmm. that's about it none of the good stuff like and it and it just sucked and i i didn't mean to be disrespectful to some people that are just like man you know you lost a lot of weight like you're doing good you know blah blah i'm like no none of that fucking matters none of that fucking matters Mm -hmm. you know like you just and if it's a form of running yeah you Mm -hmm. know it's definitely a form of running and i think for me I doubled down on that feeling because I was just like, dude, I don't want to feel this way anymore. You know, I don't want to feel alone. I go out sometimes. And, I, and I'm not saying that none of the guys that I go out with, you know, that we both know aren't good people. Mm-hmm. That's no, not at all. Mm-hmm. Not at all. But there are times when I'd go out and I'm just like, I'll be at the bar, be in Pasadena. All of a sudden, I'm like, dude, I got to go outside. I, I got to yeah. go outside. Yeah. I got to go outside. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I tell Brandon, I'm like, yo, dude, I got to go outside. And he's just like, oh, okay, okay, mm-hmm. okay. And then, like, that's where I'm just like, man, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what the fuck, man? Like, and it was just like, it's even worse. Like, when you're dating someone, like, you know, something triggers you, like, anything. Like, how do you tell that person that? You know, like, how do you tell that person? That, that, that That's also been a thing for me is, like, how do I tell that person you know, and then they're just like, oh, you just joke around a lot and you never tell me how you feel. And it's like, <laughs> well, it's hard because when you're drinking, it's easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ah! you, you know, that is just like, and then they leave and then you're just like, fuck, or at least I'm like, fuck. And then, yeah. um, it's exhausting to talk about your feelings. And sometimes it's, you know, you're, you're dating a girl or something like that. And they're having a, a great time. They're having drinks and they're having fun. And like, what what's wrong with you? What's it? And I'm like, dude, yeah. nothing's fucking wrong with me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just I'm fine. Everything's good. Like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Everything's fine. I'm good. But it's yeah. just like, like fuck. It's just sometimes it's overwhelming because people are looking at you like, what's like, what's your deal? You know, why yeah. aren't you talking more? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you? Especially me. Like I used to be fucking. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a golden god. <laughs> but. You know, for me, that was something uh, just yesterday. I was hanging out, and this girl was like, oh, you're not going to have a drink? And I was like, no, I'm just going to sit here and feel my miserable emotions. <laughs> I was like, and she was laughing, but I was dead serious. Like, yeah. I'm not in a good mood right now, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, at least at least that, she didn't know you were joking, huh? 
No, she, no, she didn't know you were joking. But at least you do. Yeah, yeah but, it's like a dark, sick humor. That no, but true. no, yeah. but I mean, like you know, it is what it is. And yeah. like you know, you're you're honest about it with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like you understand that part, and I think that that part comes into like self accountability. Mm-hmm. You know, is that if you can be honest with yourself, then you can be accountable with yourself. You know, like hey, why am I doing this? Okay, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Like for me, I'm the master of self sabotage, man. Mm-hmm. Like I will. Like, today, I was just like, dude, I'm fucking nervous, man. I'm like, what am I going to... I've never done a podcast. Like, I'm just going to slam some heroin. Yeah, dude. (laughs) (laughs) No, don't do it. No, but I... And then the lock... I'm jumping all over the place. Um, Well, I I was going to say before you go on, uh, how you were saying you were, like, super nervous and you had to go outside. But those are, like, little fires that you walk through. You know, yeah. you walk through those and they're fucking horrible. And then the next time it sort of happens, it's like, yeah, I could just go outside, but I don't need to. And then it gets a little mm-hmm. bit easier, a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. And you start to get pushed. And then all of a sudden it's like, damn, this fucking sucks. But you know what? Instead of my instinct grabbing an 18 pack and just sitting there and start drinking, I just sit there and feel it for a minute. Like, man, this fucking sucks. But at least I'm dealing with it at the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that anxiety, when you suppress it, it fucking spikes. And yeah. if you're already an anxious person, already depressed, it spikes even more. See, and okay, that's what I wanted to talk about. So I was going to say is, yeah, it spikes even more. Mm-hmm. And then what makes it worse is that I used to, what I used to do, drink more. Drink yeah. more. Mm-hmm. Drink more. Smoke more. Drink more. Smoke Wake more. Wake up and pound a bottle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it just, it, it fucking makes it worse, dude. Mm-hmm. It just it just makes it worse, and then that's when like the emotions pour out. That's when all the like the freaking you're just like, what the fuck? Like you know, I I'm I'm rarely an angry, you know, when I'm drunk, I'm really angry, but I get really emotional, and then it just like all the negativity, and then I don't have the will to compartmentalize, so everything just starts becoming like meshed into one big monster, if you will, and then it's just like I shut down. Yeah, I think anger is like a young man's game when you're like in your 20s. And you're like, oh, and you just got a raging boner and you're fucking crazy when you're drunk. And as you get older, you're just like, fucking life. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> like, fucking life. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's like, let me just wallow here for a minute. My buddy, uh, my buddy Nate, was he's like cutting weight for a fight. And he's like, how do you do it? Or how'd you make weight? I was like, I just didn't eat for three days. He's like, what? That's so crazy. This when he's a kid. And uh, my coach is there and he's like, he's like, how'd you do it? I was like, eh. I was like, when you start having to pay a mortgage and girlfriend leaves you and your dad just died i was like eating's not that big of a deal and my coach is like man he's got a good point <laughs> I yeah like, i was like whatever <laughs> yeah. yeah and that's and dude i mean that's you know one thing that i'm just kind of you know we all i guess as humans and that's one thing i'm you know i i can't relate to all of that mm-hmm. you know what i mean but i mean i think that's what makes us all human is we yeah. all have that different path you know, like, I I really try to challenge those thoughts as, like, as far as, like, anything that, that makes me anxious. You know what I mean? As far as... It could be fucking literally anything. You know, like, I'm not... But I think being sober, the flip side is... When I first started being sober, like, the temptation was there because I used it as a crutch. Yeah. It wasn't... You no. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Is that I didn't want to feel what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, man, this sucks. I feel really bad about myself. I feel really shitty about myself. The negative. And then you're just like, man, the used to go to is, oh, I'll smoke so I can laugh. I'll watch mm. something funny. I'll smoke. I'll laugh. And then 
I'll forget about it. Or I'll drink and I won't feel it. Whatever. But being... I think for me, being sober was... I mean, I already... Behind closed doors, like, sometimes, you know, again, with with what your friend Daniel was saying was, you know, I didn't deserve to be happy. I take it a step further. Behind closed doors, like, most people are like, oh, Genesis, like, I thought you were a happy dude. Like, you're a positive... Yeah, I am. Like... That's that's what I want to portray to people, but behind closed doors, I I am a terrible person to myself, man. Mm-hmm. Like I am a I beat myself up so bad and I I talk I I say the worst things about myself. And you'd never know it because that's not what I want to portray, but I think for me you get to that point and it's just like you get tired of your own shit. Yeah, you know, self you obsession t- is uh, what is it? Self uh, obsession is fucking self destruction. Yeah, you just get tired yeah. of your own shit, and then you're just like, okay. And like I said, man, I, 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 being sober for me was like, okay, this is the only thing that I have right now like to hold on to during the during the lockdown there's no gym no fights there's no there's nothing there's nothing and then i was like you know what okay cool i have my schedule i have my routine and then i was like you know what i was able to think clear enough and i was like dude i did a fucking combat deployment i didn't drink for seven months mm-hmm. i could do this again i was like i could totally do this again right and i just started getting into that mode just like i was when i was in afghanistan all right cool get up you know, go eat breakfast, you know, depending on what the schedule was, go work out, go run, you know what I mean? Do what I got to do. And then if, if I wasn't, if I hadn't gone sober before the whole lockdown, I don't think that I would have been able to, 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 to be motivated enough to get another job. Cause I was already working from home, but I was like, dude, I can make more money and I could just try to like, you know, work another job and save up some money and just you know just to have you know Mm -hmm. but being you know when you're when you're depressed and you're giving into it and you're just like using you know you're using that's not even an option no it's not not an option it's like you just don't it's overwhelming task yeah i can't do all that it's oh that's what i wanted to say i've been losing my train of thought so what daniel said about not being happy another thing too like not feeling like you deserve to be happy for me, it's even to the point where sometimes, and, and it still happens, it still happens to me sometimes, like, when I'm, like, when I'm, like, just in a low mood, a really low mood, um, hearing a positive thing hurts. Have you ever had that happen to you? I, I get, like I said, it's the same thing, like, getting a compliment, I just, like, shy away from it, I'm like, uh, yeah, you know, like, yeah, yeah like, weird, like, like, I deflect it. It's <laughs> almost like, I'm just like, no, it's not true. Right. Like, it's not true. Like, I just, like, it, it almost hurts. It almost hurts, like, when someone's like, no, Jen, like, you know, like, you're, you know, you're you're doing better. You're, you know, it's anything. Anything. Yeah. It, it almost is, like, it, when I'm feeling that bad, like, it fucking hurts. Yeah, it makes me feel like someone's lying to me. Yeah. It's weird. Like, I yeah. get very, like, my head goes down, and I don't look at them anymore. And I'm just, like, it's, like, I don't know. It, I feel very, like, childish, and I feel like a, like I did something wrong, and someone's being like, it's okay, it's not your fault, but you fuck. I don't know, it's weird. Right? I fucking get that, too. Yeah, right? I get that, too. And then, and, then it, and then it feeds into, for me, it feeds into powerlessness. Because then because I feel that way, 
then it just feeds into all these all these things that have happened that make me feel powerless and then i just i go the opposite way they intend and i could see now like that's why when i feel that way i don't i don't like to be around people yeah because i could see how like somebody that's trying would feel disrespected even though it's not my intention at all but it's just like yeah my mind and my heart go the other way I think I think I get you too, and I think once you start to understand yourself and start to understand the patterns, it, it changes your behavior. Like I knew before I got sober, I knew or I tried to be sober. Uh, before I tr- I knew what I was supposed to do, I started doing different things. Like I understood how I was behaving, so I started isolating myself. I stopped going out and partying. Like I wouldn't drink around people. I'd I'd go hang out sober. Then when I got home, I would drink, because it was just like weird. Um, yeah, I just I stopped wanting to be around people because I under, started to understand my own shit and started to understand myself. I was like, no, you're just being fucking pathetic. Like, stop. Can I go home and be like, that's why I was just drinking shit like that alone. It's, yeah. And then I, yeah, it's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Or then, and then you start seeing yourself from the outside. Yeah, and that's and you cringe. Like, Fuck, you cringe. <laughs> yeah, I cringe, yeah. dude. I'm just like, oh my god, yeah, I can't believe like, I did that. Son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. dude. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm embarrassed. For for myself, yeah, you for know, myself, like, yeah. fuck, mm-hmm. dude, like, I can't believe I really did that. Yeah, you know, um, so that's why for me, it's like mindfulness, you know, like mm-hmm. self awareness is like such a big thing, and that's something that like back then I used to just be like, you don't know that's yourself, yeah, you know, yeah. like, what kind of shit is uh, that? What is like, it? Sebastian Maniscalco has this great bit where he's like, you know, uh, people in America, I'm gonna, you know, I'm 18, I'm gonna go find myself. So I told my dad when I was 18, I'm going to go find myself. What are you talking about? You're right here. Look, I found you. <laughs> like, 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 what the fuck are you talking about? You yeah. know? It's, like, it's true. It's, that's how most of us are conditioned to be brought up. Like, <laughs> Yeah, man. And then I'm just like, and again, it always turns out to be like, why? Like, I have to know the why. Well, know? it's funny too when you start to see people once, like, uh, I don't know how it is for you, but for me, once I stop doing that, like, like, oh, I'm fine or this and that, and I see people that say it, I'll like watch them, like, I'm fine, and they're like down a bottle of vodka, and I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, bro. Like, it's yeah. all right, man. Like, oh, I'm fine. No, you're not, but it's cool, dog. No, I seriously am. It's cool, dude. Like, I know you're not. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I am pretty pissed. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's going good. <laughs> yeah. How did you know? And then they're like, they look at you like you have a crystal ball. Like, uh, how did you know? Uh, it's like, yeah, I know. It's like, because oh. uh, I've been there. I don't give a fuck about that, bitch. Yeah, I do, but it's cool, dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, oh, man. And it's, it's honestly, man, it's a... It's a fucking awesome thing, dude. Like, when you, when you start finding yourself, like, you start kind of, like, realizing, like... I mean, it's, 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 for me, I feel like I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm starting to get back parts of myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like back to when I was a Marine, I'm starting to feel, I feel better about myself, you know, sometimes. And I'm like, all right, cool. And I mean, I broke it, you know, I broke it for my birthday. I had a few drinks. I didn't get like fucked up, but I had a few drinks mm-hmm. and then I had a few drinks in Oregon, but I didn't get, I didn't get sloshed. You know, I was just like, all right you know what, I'm just only going to save it for special occasions. But even if you did, it's it's starting to start that process of thinking where you start to take yourself out of, I'm not talking about alcoholics, I'm not talking about, I'm just talking about everybody. Yeah. When you start to understand like how you were and you start to, you know, ascend to try to be a better person, a better man and start to do that, I think that's when people get like this, for me at least, I got this like awakening where now I'm like thirsting for it. I'm like, I don't, I didn't even know. That I was a human being until a couple of years ago. I really didn't. <laughs> I had zero empathy for people and situations and stuff. And now I'm like, I could feel people's pain. Like when I yeah. say, I'm like, all right, dude, like it's all good, dog. Like just tell me. 
you know, and then I have to try to navigate that. And then it's, you know, and I think the biggest reward I've got from it is, you know, a couple of people are just like, yeah, he's different now. And I'm like, oh, thanks, man. Like, that means a lot more to me than, you know, like, than a lot of other shit that I've gotten from it. But just people taking notice that I'm trying to do shit differently, you know? Right. I mean, and I think that that's where, that's where I think in today's society, COVID or no COVID, we don't get enough credit for it, man. No. Because, you know, because of this bullshit, like, social media, like, I call it bullshit, but in all reality, it's a tool. Yeah. And a lot of people use it the wrong way. Yeah. You know, a lot of people use it the wrong way. But it's it can be a great way, like, to connect. You know, it's, like, it's a great way to be like, hey, you know, like, oh, how's this person doing? Oh, cool. They're doing good. You know, but I think that that's what I was talking to, uh, I was talking to Jared about. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, dude, you have a lot of, like, good intrinsic qualities. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> Again, I don't know how to yeah, take compliments. You call me? Yeah, I was like, yeah, <laughs> intrinsic. I was like, you know, like, uh, but he was just like, you know, he's like, it's internal traits, you know, like, you know, like, you know, you, those, but, and I think that that's been the biggest, that's why it's hard for me to accept is because it's hard to show that. Like, how do you show yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Like, that's why it drives me nuts when people post like good deeds. Like, I'm not saying that I'm a saint. You know, I'm not perfect. I used to do it, but I kind of, again, you realize, you see your, yourself, and you're just like, you know what? Yeah. I don't need to post a good deed to yeah. make me, myself feel good about that. Because I knew going into it why I was doing it, what I'm doing it for. But when I see other people do it, yeah, it irks me. Yeah. It irks me a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, it irks me a little bit. Like, when you see the, oh, hey, hey, I'm going to get... Oh, it's like, dude, I feel, I feel like it takes away the authenticity behind it it takes away like it's just like okay now you're just doing it to to show people you're a good person but are you really a good person yeah you know are you really doing this because you want to do it mm-hmm. you know um yeah there's a difference between like, i I, <laughs> and i have a lot of like friends that will say this um and they remind me of Snooky uh, from Jersey Shore when she gets arrested and they're like, she's on the sand face down and she gets up and she has dirt all her face and she's like, I'm a good person. <laughs> I'm like, just because you're fucking nice and you're not a dick to people's face. Like, I don't know. I, I think when people make a point, you're like, I'm a great person. I do. It's like, fuck, man. Like, like I, I think just kind of to what you're saying, um, this is just me and my own shit. But when all these people are posting this and posting that about this cause and this, I'm like, are you just posting, taking a picture and posting on your on your story, or are you donating? Are you researching things? Right. Are you going out there and volunteering? Like, is that because that's going to make a difference? Yeah. You know, posting on your social media, sure. If if you're doing all that other shit, that's an extra thing to put on there. But it's like, if that's all I do, you should go help the homeless. And you're sitting there, fucking, you know, don't give the guy washing a window a dollar. Well, what? Yeah. <laughs> that's where I'm like, I know this motherfucker doesn't do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I I totally agree with you on that. You know, I agree with you on that. It's it's one of those things where it's easier now to talk about it than actually really be and about that's it. The like, we have to have a conversation. I'm like, well, what's like, where's this conversation leading? I'm not saying go out and obviously start a fucking ride or something, but it's okay. We have all these people aware. Okay, now we're all gonna volunteer for this. You know, we're all yeah. gonna throw in money for this. We're all gonna do something other than just yeah, that's wrong. You know, that's it's a. I'm sorry, did I cut you off? No, no, no. I I feel like it's it's a. It's a safe. It's a safe way that a lot of people play it. They don't want to sacrifice. They don't uh, want that's, to. S- thank you. Sorry. That's exactly what I wanted to bring it back to, and that's a good way. But time, it, money. They don't yeah, want to sacrifice. You, like you serve your country, and it's like you're you're standing up for something that you stood that, or you're standing up for your beliefs. You're standing up. You have integrity for that. 
And I think that's something that people are like, oh, well, this is wrong. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> and that's yeah. what I think really irks me or people that, oh, you know, I have my right. I'm like, what have you ever done for those rights? Whatever. I don't know. I just very, you know, and I think. Th- that's what I, I, it's funny that you brought that up because it's just like, that's what I've noticed as a theme of 2020 is just a lot of complaining and getting nowhere. Yeah. It's getting nowhere because of lack of action, you know, and like anything, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, you gotta, I mean, and it's just been like that for a long time, Forever, you know, but now it's just, now we have time to actually like, you see it. Sit there and just fucking overwhelmed by it and berated with it. It's like, for me, it's like, I don't nearly post as much as, 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 as a lot of people I know do, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's like, did I donate to some of these causes? Did I do my research? Yeah. Yeah. I did. I and, did. And it's like, you, okay, uh, you know, a girl. I did. And I'm not talking, I'm not just singling out women yeah. or anything, but it's just like, oh, the biggest women's right activists to me are those women that are CEOs. And they're like, yeah, go get your money and do this shit. Like, they're yeah. the ones that went up there and did it. Like, fuck yeah. this shit. I got it. And I'm like, hell yeah, you go, girl. You know what I mean? Yeah. Rather than sit there and be like, you should do this. You should, do well, what are you doing to make that belief strong? Are you fucking taking care of your shit? Are your bills paid by your own hand? Like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, taking personal accountability for their own shit. Like, is your shit all your affairs are in order your family's straight you have your morals and everybody knows that you're you're a good person okay now tell me how to live my life yeah until (laughs) because a lot of these people like we have a close friend and she just fucking screams screams at the internet and types and types and types her fucking kid is cross-eyed because she doesn't pay attention to him and he watches the tv like two inches away from his face (laughs) fix your baby's face priorities are a little They'll mix it up there. Be, but it's like they're going to be angry no matter what. Yeah. No matter what. Even if people all of a sudden start doing what they ask. Go, okay, we're, we are all going to hate this person. Then they're going to find a way to be angry at something else because their shit's not straight. You know what I mean? And it's funny that you bring up anger was like, you know, that's that's actually something else that I wanted to bring up is that, you know, for me, you're right. Your early 20s, anger is a very – it could be a very powerful tool. Mm-hmm. It could be a very powerful tool. But I had a conversation with my uncle one time, and he was telling me that he has this theory that every man, when you're like 28, between 28 and 30, everything crumbles. Mm-hmm. Like for him, that was when he – that was the last time he got busted, and he ended up doing like seven years in federal prison. And he was just like, yeah, that was my 28. And then for me, 28 was like I freaking just – you know, I was like venting to him. And I had like, it just, I came to a head. Like, I just didn't want to do any, I shut down. Mm-hmm. And, oh man, I lost my train of thought. I was going to say, oh, anger. So that's another life lesson for me that I learned is that I think that I look back on a lot of things just trying to get ahead and just, you know, like I'm just, just trying to bulldoze like I did through the weight, you know, like through the weight loss, through the Marine Corps, like just bulldoze, just fucking to get through it just get through it just push through push through and i think that a lot of things in life for me after after getting out they didn't work out to teach me that lesson that mm-hmm. there's gotta you've got to look at yourself and there's got to be another way because i on a soul level there's been so many times where i'm just like i'm fucking exhausted man yeah like i could sleep 10 hours and i'm just i'll still wake up exhausted and it has nothing to do with like anything i'm taking it's just like no it's the way i think is that my mind is always Mm-hmm. And I'm angry, and I'm angry, and it's just like, it, you burn out. Yeah, you burn out to the point where you're just like the fire burns out. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think like what you said, it's very true. Like when you start to get to those later, like there's a reason so many famous people have OD'd at 27 because it's like you start to get to those those ages where you're supposed to have these 
preconceived notions. Like, you know, when you're in high school, oh, I'll be married by the time I'm 20. I'll be have my business by the time I'm 25. I'll have three kids and yeah. a fucking suburban house and this and that. It's like in the life, life does not work out the way you want it to. It just keeps fucking hitting you. And yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, all right. And then you get to a point where it's like you either recalibrate and push forward or you just kind of stay a lump of shit and finish out that way, which a lot of people opt to do, you know? And you know what, man? That's that's one of the things that for me is just like, that's where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. That's where I've been at. That's where I've been at for the past few years is just like, I'm like, dude, I don't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, like as comfortable as I am in this, as it, it's just like why it's it's not even as comfortable it's just like why am i comfortable here why am i comfortable in this fucking stagnation mm-hmm. in this fucking pool of negativity why am i comfortable with bad shit happening to me why am i comfortable with not feeling like i deserve to be happy why am i comfortable with looking at everyone else be happy and then turning that anger in inwards which is what they call depression mm-hmm. you know is anger turned inwards why am i comfortable with that mm-hmm why why am i comfortable with just day in and day out like okay like i do this i do that and then i get through my day like like no one should ever have to live their life that way Mm -hmm. you know but at the same time it's just you kind of get to a point where you're just like man like rescue's not coming yeah (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. rescue's not coming like like you've got to be that and for me it's always it, it 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 brings back um let me see. How does how do I say it? Remember Shooter mm-hmm. with Mark Wahlberg? Mm-hmm. You know when he gets shot and he's like putting himself together. Mm-hmm. That that's on yeah. a soul on a soul level. Like that's kind of like where I'm just like you know what? Like when I feel really low, I'm like I gotta move first. You know, like right. just mm-hmm. make make those little steps. Right. Even if it means getting outside to to go for a run like that. You know, and then just taking that because I've you know. I've seen, and that's the thing for me too, is like when I got out, I, I also abandoned a lot of things that I shouldn't have necessarily abandoned. Mm-hmm. Like I, I used to say to some people, I'm like, you know what, dude, no one's life depends on it anymore, man. Just let it go. You don't got to be on time. Mm-hmm. Like if you're five minutes late, it's no big deal. And then shit happens and it gets worse and then you're like a fucking hour late then you're like two hours late and then problem yeah it's like what's the problem it's like i got no problem man like you know and it's like you know and then you just kind of like you're like whoa it pours out into other aspects of your life yeah that's where you don't you know when you're younger i remember my pops always like pick that up why i'll pick it up later no pick it up now yeah what's the been i remember in boot camp i dropped something pick it up now oh yeah (laughs) yeah that's why that motherfucker yelled at me all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then know? sometimes you kind of smile. And you're like, "All right, cool. Like, right, I get yeah. it. Mm-hmm. You know, I get, I get it now." Um, and there were things too. It was just like, I think, I think another big lesson for me too is uh, adjusting to being back home. Mm-hmm. Was I feel like in a lot of ways I, and it actually has nothing to do with people that we know. Um, it's just. People I dated, people I used to hang out with, um, I was so afraid of being alone because mm-hmm. I didn't have my friends. And I was just like, well, I'm back to square one like I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Like, And then on top of that, my friends that are all like, you know, we're the nerds together, that they got their own shit. Like, you know, you realize when you come back from the military, you're like, it's not the same. People like, life went on without you. Right. Life went on. Life completely went on without you. Just mm-hmm. like you're, you went on without them, you know? And... I, I, 
I was just like, dude, I'm stuck. And then I was just like, there were certain parts of my aspects of myself that I had, you know, that I'd gotten from my friends and that, you know, I was just like, all right, I'm going to compromise that part of myself. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, because I don't want to be alone because I don't want to, I don't want to deal. I don't want to face this. I don't want to feel like this. I'm just going to, you know, for this sake, I'm not going to, I'm going to give them an inch. Mm-hmm. And then those people just like, they see what they can get away with mm-hmm. more and more. And then they, and then what makes it worse is you're surrounded by these people and they make you feel alone. Yeah. And that's when you realize you're just like, you've done yourself a disservice, man. And it's going back to what you said. You, why am I comfortable in yeah. this situation where I'm fucking miserable and these people aren't supporting me they're not pushing me forward and pushing me? Why is this okay with me? And then it's like, can you really be mad at them? Right. And then you got to, that's when it's just like, well, you got to, you got to take accountability in your own sense that you let it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a lot of things that I'm just like, I'm fucking pissed at A, person A, person B, person C, but I let it happen. So it's like, can I really be as mad? Yeah. You have to yeah, take a step back. Yeah, you know, it's just like, yeah. yes and no. Yes and no. You know, it's like, they should have known better, but at the same time, it's like, no, you know what? You let it happen. You didn't speak up. You didn't say anything. You know, you just let it fester. And then it's just like, you know, and uh, life really is a journey, you know? I yeah. think it's just some people, like you said, some people, unfortunately, they just get stuck, mm-hmm. you know? And then it's just, I've never been the guy to like really ever want to leave anyone behind. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, I don't, I, I don't think I can think of anyone, you know, but I think that there's just anyone that I've had, that I haven't had a falling out with mm-hmm. in that sense. You know what I mean? Like there's people I've had a falling out with and I'm like, All right, I'm not gonna help you anymore, mm-hmm. you know? But as far as like anyone that I haven't, I don't think that I've ever like really felt like I'm like, Hey, you know what? Like I got to leave you behind. And I think, I think for me, I felt that way moving on like realizing that these people don't push me forward they hold me back a lot yeah and i would be like, i don't want to leave them behind like i'm gonna keep doing this but i'm gonna bring them with me we're gonna still do this and do that and i kind of realized they left me behind on their path where they're like yeah. well he doesn't do that with the same more so fuck him they start calling me they start doing this and i'm still scrambling to try to keep it so it's like yeah you know but it's yeah i never would would leave someone that was you know, was trying to be my friend, trying to put themselves out there, trying to help me, trying to support me. I would never turn my back on anyone, you know, but at yeah. the same point, you realize that these people have their own ideas, their own agendas. Yeah. They start going after it and they're like, well, if he's not on board with it, then fuck him. Yeah. And it's like, I think that's another thing too is absolutes, man. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we should live in absolutes, Well, that's man. the Sith way, bro. That's the Sith, yeah. <laughs> that's the Jedi kind of world, yeah, big like, dog. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But it's just like, it's crazy. I think you just got to, I think part of the trick in life for what I've learned is, is learning where the line, where you draw the line, mm-hmm. you know, for yourself. Boundaries. Yeah. Exactly. Like boundaries. I used to, man, no boundaries for me. No. Like in the sense where I'm just like, oh, you want to come over? Yeah, come yeah, on come over, baby, man. You want to fucking withdraw from drugs? Go ahead and sleep on the couch. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Like, Don't mind oh, him. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Like, I got you, man. Yeah. Oh, you need a ride to Vegas? Dude, yeah. hop in, Why bro. Why don't you call? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. let's go, you know. Um and then you kind of like see, like you said, those same people are like doing their thing. And then you're just like, man, what about my shit? Yeah. Like, what do I want for myself? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I think for me, 
I, I always call myself a late bloomer, man. Same here. You know, I, I feel like <laughs> I a big, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm a fucking late bloomer, man. Right. Like, I have, like, there's some stages in life, and I'm just like, dude, how am I fucking learning this at 31? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think for me, it's just, again, it's my, it's my path. Like, I didn't know certain social dynamics. Like, I didn't know, like, certain things. People hold me back. Like, again, like, I didn't have, like, I didn't have an aspiration really in life until I joined the Marine Corps. It was just like, bam, you know, that was my first aspiration. You know, I was like, okay, I aspire to be this. Like, this is what I want to do. I didn't have, you know, I was just like, I was just like everyone else trying to fit in. And I didn't learn that, you know, that, yeah, people will, people will leave you. Yeah. You know what I mean? They'll take what they can and they'll leave you in the sense where it's just like, bam. Um, and it's scary, dude. It's scary when you're a late bloomer and you kind of realize certain things about, you know, it's like, well, what do I want? Yeah, you spent this much time with these people. Yeah. You know, and then you're starting to be like, oh, shit. And then my biggest thing, too, is like, I'll compare. Mm -hmm. I'll compare big time. And then that makes social media is the easiest way to, like, feel bad about yourself. Like, you compare it and then you're just like, oh, this dude has a house. Oh, this dude has this. Oh, this dude has that. What do I have? Oh, I ain't got shit. You know what I mean? And you're just like, man, I'm a fucking, I'm a lame, I'm a loser. You know this and that. This is why this didn't work out. And this is why this didn't work out. This is why. That that that's honestly how it used to be for me in my head. Mm. And I'm just like, dude, it doesn't even matter if I try. There's haves and have-nots. Like that was a big thing for me too. That was like the biggest belief for me too. Like for a while, is like I just believe that there are people that have it and there's people that don't. And I didn't think that I had it. But again we shouldn't live in absolutes right right you know um in some ways i'm just like i i I try to not how do you say i try to not biggest thing is don't be a hater yeah that's what i'm saying yeah Mm -hmm. don't be a hater man like that's that's that was that that's and i think that for me when i was just smoking weed every day Mm -hmm. drinking like on the weekends or whenever the opportunity came to um it was easier for me to hate mm-hmm. i mean i wasn't vocal about it but i'd just be like fuck dude mm-hmm. like fuck you <laughs> you know yeah, what i mean yeah. like you're like fuck you you lose that shit pretty soon yeah like i fucking fuck. hope yeah. that you know like you fucking feel the way that i do because it's just like you know a b c d you know and i'm just like but at the same time I'm like, dude, I don't want people to think that way of me. Yeah. You know, like, I, I on the same token, dude, in that mindset, I used to feel guilty when something good would work out for me. Like, by the same token, like, the other side. Whew. Dude, I, I used to feel guilty about doing something good for myself or, like, feeling good about myself. You know, mm-hmm. like, anything good that would come my way, I would sabotage it immediately. Or not immediately, but I'd figure out a way. You know, whether it be a girl I met, you know, I'd just... Or getting a good grade, I'm like, I got lucky, I lucked out, or I'm just feeling good today, or whatever, you know? And it's like, they're two sides of the same coin, you know? But, yeah, that's that's my thing now, is just like, you know what, man? Like, being able to stay in my lane. Yeah. Being able to stay in my lane and being okay with it. You know, as simple as that sounds, I think... And I'm trying to be grateful. Like, I'm trying. Like, it's not It's not easy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really not easy. Like, w- sometimes, like, I get down on myself and I'm just like, 
like for example i had this there's this girl that i'm talking to and she was just always like life doesn't happen to you it happens for you and i get annoyed like sometimes <laughs> yeah, like i get so annoyed like i'm just like dude are you serious right now mm-hmm. it, it, but I, I understand what she means mm-hmm. like you know you can either look at it and it's when you've been conditioned for for so long you've been conditioned to that to that mentality it's a that's why a lot of people won't do it because yeah. it's a lot of work it's a lot it's, of work it's, it's a lot work. of work yeah. day in day out and exhausting and the worst thing about it in the day that we live in today there's there's only you you can show yourself for it like there's no way to be like i mean not that there's no way but very yeah. rarely will will anyone just be like oh yeah you know that's why when you said you know people are like oh get he's a different. thousand likes on yeah fucking, like yeah. it's just one it, guy telling you one day that you've known for a long time hey man i noticed this and that and that's to me it's like that's worth it you know? right yeah. right but you know i think that that's and unfortunately on top of that is that people really don't they need that instant gratification mm-hmm. they need it they mm-hmm. need it and I think for me, like being sober and like holding on to that, especially now during COVID, um, I don't, I don't, I don't, I just need to feel good about myself. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like sometimes it, it, it's not day and it's again, it's not absolute. Like yeah, it's a work in progress. You know, you're just like, fuck man. Like, well, why the fuck didn't you? Know what yeah, I mean? I but, hear you, man. but you know, you're just like, no, no, no. Can't think that way. Well, fucking, we're coming up on three hours, brother. All right. Yeah, but uh, good shit, man. Uh, Thank you, man. Thanks for coming on. I'm glad you got to share your story, and um, we definitely see eye to eye on a lot of shit, man. So glad I got to chat it up with you, too. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. All right, brother. We'll, we'll get you back on here, and we'll keep uh, we'll keep updates and see how everything's going, all right? Awesome. Looking forward to it. Right, Thank brother. you. Take care. All right, guys. Peace. Peace.